And we're back. I'm James. This is the Gwiz Fan Podcast. I'm Luke. I'm Mike. And I'm Brent. <laughs> and this is James. And this is 2020. Yeah. Does it feel like a new year? Yeah. Do you feel older, James? Wiser? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you talking like that, bud? I eat fun. Oh, I see. Oh, I what'd you do? Uh, what'd you do since we recorded last? Um. Well, <laughs> I went to a lady Christmas present. Okay, party. that's enough of that. Hey, what was your what was your favorite Christmas present? Um. Uh, My new football. Oh, your new football. That's a good one. What about your Jimmy Garoppolo jersey? Uh, second. Oh, come <laughs> on. Jimmy G. Did you, get, did you get any Aaron Rodgers gear? Uh, no. No, that's too bad. <laughs> that's too bad. Okay. Who do you, th- who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? Um, Baltimore. Yeah, he's he's a big Lamar Jackson fan. That's a very Lamar. rational pick. Yes, very <laughs> rational pick from James. And how could he not be a Lamar Jackson fan? Yeah, that's he's true. pretty fun to oh watch. My gosh, yeah. Anything else you want to tell us about? Um Did you have to go back to school today? Yeah. How was that? Bad. Yeah, after Bad. two weeks off. <laughs> yeah. You had to get up when you know, get ready for school instead of sleeping in. Rough life. All right. Hey, bud. Thanks for helping out. Yeah. And I watched a video about stadiums, and and they said they said every NFL NFL team should go to the Green Bay Stadium. Oh, interesting. I've been there. Yeah, Brent has been there. That's <laughs> one of the famous ones. All right. Thanks, James. Good seeing you, James. Well, we got another another year. You know, I think that we just need to congratulate ourselves because it is only the first full week of January, and we are already having a better off season at the Grizz Fan Pod and <laughs> delivering content than we did last year. Yeah. So, happy new year, everybody! I think we promised we would deliver all of this content last year, but <laughs> this year, no promises. Yes. Well, ha- happy new year, guys! Happy new year! Uh, let's cheers. cheers! Let's cheers! These. Cheers! Actually. Uh, Mike, Cheers. what are we drinking? Uh, uh, well, I'm drinking uh, some prickly pear pale ale from Lewis and Clark Brewing. What are you drinking? I'm drinking one of those too. Brent, what, what's going on? I'm drinking some uh, bubbly sparkling water, the raspberry flavored bubbly. It Why is... are you drinking bubbly water? I'm trying the dry January thing. I and it's it it's January sixth. It's going well. This is so trendy. I, it is trendy, right? Brent, I am so sorry. To hear about your dry January. <laughs> what? <laughs> I am so sorry to hear about this. Mike, do you have any glasses for the three of us? You know, conveniently, yeah. I'm not touching that stuff. I hate you so much we... right now. <laughs> so I managed, managed to bring over oh, a my. bottle of whiskey. Brent, do you like whiskey? Um, no comment. <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny. Um, oh. What am I holding here, Brent? That is a very fine-looking bottle of Crown Royal Black. <laughs> a full handle, too. Nicely done. Well, so you're doing dark, dry January means... Can't touch it. Yeah, can't so, touch so I am, I'm, I'm abstaining from alcohol for the month of January. Man, has it been tough? 
Not as tough as I thought it was going to be, but I definitely realized that uh, through... What, There's some water. You're really going to just give me... Okay, thanks. Give me a glass of water. Okay, you got, a, cool. you got water on the rocks over Water there on the brand. rocks. Neat. Uh, I prefer my water neat. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, it, surprisingly not too tough. I've, I'm sleeping a lot better, and I've actually, I feel like I've actually lost a little bit of weight just Greg, from it. What does this smell like? Oh, dude, get this. What does this smell like? Oh, my God. <laughs> Describe it. Um, you got a little bit of vanilla in it, right? You got this is yours, I think. Whose is this going to? It doesn't it's not matter. Look <laughs> <laughs> at the tall part. I hate you guys so no, much right I now. I thought it would be 2020. We could have some nice whiskey to start off, and it turns out Brent's now a teetotaler. <laughs> Um, I I that I set this agreement up with with a friend. All right, yeah. Water, cheers, cheers. With the Enjoy water. that ice water. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'll work, Luke. Mm. Oh, Crown Royal Black is great. That is damn good stuff. Okay. Um, well, I will tell you. I hate you guys. This is a testament to how uh, how close we are here at the Grizz Fan Pod. Because <laughs> if if Luke and I in any way thought the Dry January was for any reason other than Brent convincing himself that he could do it. <laughs> we wouldn't be peer pressure. <laughs> if he had an actual problem. Yeah. <laughs> I should have led with that, guys. No, no, that's not, that's not a joking matter. But yeah, uh, no, this is, I set this up with a buddy of mine that we were going to do this and the um, consequences for breaking the, um, the, um, our, our, the whole thing are, are quite dire. So, as much as I enjoy a good glass of Crown Royal, I think uh, I I'm, I'm, I can e- I can easily avoid it. But uh, so for this month, this will hopefully make it to February. So we'll see. We'll bring <laughs> we'll, we'll bring it back. <laughs> That's a good promise for more content. I mean, it's the one thing is that you know you really can't drink a ton of it in one sitting. Well, That's I true. Mean, some people could. Oh well, yeah, yeah. You have whiskeys that you just that you shoot, and you have whiskeys that you sip, and that's so, sipping whiskey. Speaking of dire consequences, <laughs> we are doing uh, round two of the uh, uh, Montana Mint kind of guys activity challenge. Yeah, Hel- health and wellness challenge for the for all the guys who contribute to the to the mint. The first round we um, leading up to Cat Grizz, we had some mile quota yep. that we had to log. You know, running, walking, just sort of physical activity. We're doing that again. We're not going to share with you the results because, you know, you guys don't give a fuck about that. <laughs> but we're off to a good start. We're off to a good start. And, and the reason I bring it up is the incentive is for every mile under the quota that you finish, mm-hmm. you have to give 10 bucks to the <laughs> opposing team's scholarship scholarship right yeah yeah so if the three of us don't meet our quotas we have to give money to bobcat athletics i'm just thinking about like the night before it's due being like five miles down and just out in the cold running (laughs) i'm not giving 50 bucks to the bobcats this is not happening (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of our new year's resolution right there perfect all right. So, so far, so good with it, too. Yeah. 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 Not complaining. I mean, we're probably all on pace. You guys did stuff today. I didn't. So good for you. Yeah. Nice work. Good with these competitions. Yeah. It's a little <laughs> bit easier that way. Um, so, what's happened since we recorded last? Semifinals. Yeah. We had the semifinals. We had signing day. 
Grizz Hoops is in a conference play. I mean, we've got a lot of things we could cover here. Yeah. Um, let's start with, with uh, the FCS playoffs because this is a football pod. Yeah. Um, the uh, team the Grizz lost to, Weber. I'm now more convinced than ever that the Grizz were better than Weber. And, <laughs> you know, I'm going to have flashbacks on that game for a long time, but that's fine. We're over it. Um, <laughs> Weber went and basically got, as we expected, as we expected JMU handled them. Yeah. I think Weber really scored a touchdown on kind of a fluke, like a turnover, right? And a deep shot in the end zone, and, and that was really the most of their activity on offense, I think. Yeah. If you think about it, I mean, they, their, their point, a lot of their points against us were flukes too. So, it, they all it, were. you know, it's like it kind of goes back to that whole, it's like the old mantra of defense wins championships is true to a point, but you have to have an offense. Yeah. I mean, you have to be balanced. <clears throat> yeah. I guess Weber got a late touchdown in too, but yeah. And, C- coming out of that game, I just felt that we – would have had a better showing. I don't know that the result would have been different. Maybe JMU beats us still. I don't know if we're quite at JMU's level yet, but I kind of felt we would have had the ability to put up more points. Yeah, I I agree. I think we've still got building to do, O-line, D-line especially. Like you see North Dakota State and, and James Madison and what they have in the trenches and you could tell the Grizz are working that way, but we're just still so young and lack of depth. And Weaver's got talent on their D line too, and, and and their O line's not too bad either. So, um, yeah. you know, and, and the other thing is, in, in, you know, some of this national conversation on some of the FCS fan boards and stuff like that is like, is it a bummer that it's JMU and NDSU because that's what people expected from the start? It's like, no, it's just one of those years where it was clear that two teams were head and shoulders above everybody else, and. That's the way it played out, you know. Alabama, Clemson. Yeah. I mean, not this I mean, year, but, but <laughs> well, yeah. one of them's in. <laughs> you know, last year. Yeah. I mean, you know, it just that's that's the way it played out. And it, yeah. it kind of reminds me to a little bit of a uh, thought about like 1996 when it was like Marshall mm. and Montana were clearly yeah better than everybody else at this level, and then Marshall was you know just Randy Moss <laughs> us, but. Um, Game shouldn't have counted, and they shouldn't have been in there. But that's right, he wasn't supposed to play anyways. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Don't yeah. Let, they don't even let teams moving up uh, compete anymore. <laughs> Weird. Um, but uh, it's just you know, it's just one of those years where I think I think these are the two best teams. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, obviously, North Dakota State, uh, you know, had a close game against Montana State. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys watch that game? Um, enough of it to enjoy it. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't. I was in. Um, I was in Omaha. I flew down to watch my girlfriend graduate. Omaha. Omaha. Cool city. Been there twice. And uh, it's the Berkshire Hathaway motherland. Yeah. All right. Warren Buffett's. You know. It's there. It's he's there. <laughs> so didn't have a lot going on over the holidays. Just sitting around, <laughs> kind of with you know, girlfriend's family, and the game was on. And I was the only one home at that time. Girls went out shopping. So, <clears throat> sat down, a couple beers, watched it with a smile on my face. MSU had no shot. Like, they were, they had no answers. Yep, they had one kind of nice drive. Yeah, they did. Um, but it, it, I actually watched that game, and I kind of came away thinking, man, not only the Cats have a long way to go to get to NDSU's level, but... Everybody does. Yeah. I mean, they're just so good. And some of these guys, like that quarterback, he's a true freshman. Yeah. And he's got one turnover all year. 
And it's a fumble, right? Yeah, yeah he hasn't thrown an interception. In that game, the announcer said, you know, we have a really good stats team. Um, they have some difficulty pulling up FCS stats, like historical stats. But no FBS quarterback has ever had 25 passing touchdowns with zero interceptions. And that's what Trey Lance had going into the game. And then I think he threw another three touchdowns that game. So, yeah. uh, I think that he actually threw for more than he usually does that game. Because he only throws like 12 to 18 balls a game. It's not as much as – I mean, they're a good running team, which, you know, is what it is. He's a very good running quarterback. <laughs> yeah. um, so I want to get you guys' opinion on something. And um, we we asked the guys at the R&R CatCast about this. I haven't listened to it, so I don't know what they said. <laughs> but <laughs> um, uh, Choate had some comments in a presser about four days before the game. And he kind of was talking about, you know, NDSU plays, pays the cost of attendance and we don't, they don't, the Big Sky Conference doesn't. So it's really not a level playing field. It's different. Explain this really quick because yeah. it's not in, so, yeah, basically, intuitive. Yeah, basically, I mean, basically, uh, starting a couple of years ago, the NCAA, you know, changed the rules that said um, programs can pay cost of attendance, which is more than, um, just the scholarship that covers, you know, room board and, and um, tuition, but the actual cost to go to school. So, you know, basically stipend money, you know. Yeah, so usually a student's bill is made up of tuition. Mm-hmm. It's made up of fees, books, room and board. And it can be a direct room and board charge if they're living on campus, or it can be a, a housing stipend that they get. Mm-hmm. And at NDSU, they get it. They get everything. Yep. And um, you know, it's something that I think when it came out a couple of years ago, I saw something that it would add two hundred and seventy thousand to mm. Montana's um, athletic budget. Basically, that number could be wrong, but I mean, that sounds like in the in the ballpark because you can't just give it to the football team. You know, you've got to Title Nine. You've got to give it to everybody who's on scholarship. Right. Um, you know, so could the GSA band together and figure it out? Sure. But anyway, so Choate brings that up and he said a couple other things. And, you know, Choate, in my mind, is I think you want a neutral site too. Yeah. And the neutral site thing is the part that I didn't really understand. Like, it's like, why are you doing this? Like, why are you, why would you bring this up and give them any motivation? And all the, a lot of their fans beforehand were like, oh, they're not even paying attention. Yeah. Well, they clearly were because, I mean, uh, one of the guys after he sacked it, like looked at Montana State sideline and did the like fingers together money, and uh, he said after the game, like I mean, they just acknowledged like there was a lot of chatter, you know, and we heard it and we had to take care of it. And their coach mentioned it too, so it's like, you know, we talked to a couple of cat fans and some of the cat fans were like, no, oh, he's talking to the the fan base. He's talking straight to the fan base, saying, look, basically we're not on the same level and we're going to start pushing to do this cost of attendance, you know, here Mm -hmm. you go. And Mm -hmm. maybe he is, or maybe it's not, but I always think that Choate thinks he's smarter than he is in those press conferences. And I, I get this whole argument that he goes in with a message and da, 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 which I think is nonsense. Um, I think he just talked too much. Like, why do you give freaking beast like North Dakota state any extra motivation? Like, like they needed it, but clearly they heard it. You know, I wonder if 
here, I, I wonder if Choate really thought they could win anyway and was saying, ah, I need to send a message to our fan base for fundraising purposes. Mm-hmm. I need to send a message to Montana State Legislature and the Board of Regents and the Office of the Commissioner of Higher Education. Everybody who would have to sign off on it. Yep. Yeah, saying the legislature, like, maybe. Yeah. Right. Like saying, hey, like, if you guys are really passionate about football like you think you are, this is how the best team in the country is doing it. Man, but if that's the case, and so he went into the game knowing his team was going to lose, because he's basically like, it's worth... I mean, it's, you're, you're like making yourself a martyr well, for, yeah. for like your... Yeah. Do you really think that like billboard you know, material actually matters? These kids, I don't care if you're a 12th grader, right? Like You're playing as hard as you can all the time. Yeah. Right? Is, I mean, I'd how like, much do you, how much stock do you put in that? I put a little bit of stock into it, but not. I, you always see stuff. I think there was a Grace Kakam or Jordan Canada came out the the day before and yeah. talked to, and then it was after the game. They had it plastered all over their locker rooms and all this stuff like that. So, I, but is that was that the the tipping point? Like, oh, if if Jordan Canada wouldn't have said that, if if Jeff Choate wouldn't have said that. It would have been different. Uh, it's tough to say. I don't NDSU think so. Won Forty-two to fourteen. Yeah. They were never really in that game. I don't think if if Choate doesn't say any of that, I think they still they still win. Yeah, they still win. So mm-hmm. I, I think Choate probably knew they were the underdogs. Didn't think it would actually matter, and maybe took the opportunity to put it on wax that there's a difference in the the packages offered to these players. I also don't know how much it matters. Like, I don't know. It'd be interesting to survey NDSU players and say, how many of you guys would have came to MSU had they offered cost of attendance mm-hmm. versus just mm-hmm. tuition? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And further, I don't know how MSU does it, but I know UM has different pools of money that they can distribute to their players that cover uh, housing. And they, they're, they're called, like, they get different awards... And, you know, there's different ways they can get them money. Well, yeah, I mean... It, and they're, they're the, all funded privately by say, the GSA. The GSA, and at the, at the FCS level, they're able to basically split scholarships. So you'll have some right. guys that are just books. And, right. Yeah. yeah. So you can give someone cost of attendance here, but you can't give everyone cost of attendance. Wow. There's not <laughs> right. that much money. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how much it actually matters when it when push comes to show. And the thing, like, I think the thing, though, like, if it was really just something where Choate just wanted to have it out there... Why not wait till after the game, like after you got your ass kicked, and then come out and and say, "Look, there, there's some NDSU has some advantages." That's a good point. And yeah, because like well, they they have co- they have they have cost of living here, and we don't. And and up, down, left, or right, that makes a difference. And I mean, it, then boom, because yeah. it's like I don't know. Yeah, because it's not like he's going to public come out now and say. Yeah, here's our campaign. You know, he's doing that in like GSA meetings or you're their equivalent of them. Yes, and, you know, in their their QB club meetings and stuff like that. So it's like you could make that point either way. Mm-hmm. So it's like that's my thing. It's like yeah, you're right. I don't believe that bulletin board material was the difference in this game. But I guess when you know you're freaking playing Goliath, why do anything to poke the bear? You know, these NDSU walked all over MSU last year in the playoffs. Yeah. So maybe they're just taking for granted they can do it again. <laughs> but you, you know, <laughs> you made sure they were paying attention for better or worse. Oh boy. Mike, do you do you feel any cognitive dissonance with congratulating Choate earlier this season for being so, you know, uh, 
open in his press conferences and now saying, "Hold on," <laughs> and you <he laughs> hold on, <laughs> time out. No, do not put words into my mouth, Lucas. <laughs> Let's not. All I was saying was. Cho talks a lot at pressers and actually says stuff that then the media reports and fawns all over him and it makes the MSU program look good. That's all I'm saying. Okay. I myself think other things. <laughs> this is a family podcast that I already dropped the F-bomb all right. So, oh, did you? I didn't even catch it. It was, it was um, right out the gate. Right out the gate. Perfect. Yeah. But yeah, that's a valid point, Luke. I make a lot of points in a, in a bubble. This is the media. Me, me and Colin Coward, you know, we live in silos. Every show's a silo. In fact, every segment's a silo. I might make a different point in an hour. Yeah. You know, don't look for consistency over here. I like that. So I, let's find some old tweets of Mike's. Yeah. Get them out there. Coaches should never talk to the media. What? What? <laughs> but who said that? I was hacked. Um... Anything else about that game? I mean, it just was striking to me that it's like MSU physically dominated us. And then, yeah, I mean, NDSU is just on another level. Yeah, and like we, on the drive back from the Weber game, we had the NDSU-Illinois State game up. And so you saw like... Streaming it through the... That was an in-conference team that clearly was building a defense to stop NDSU, and it still wasn't... It, like it wasn't enough, and then they did uh, the, uh, the other, on the other side of the ball. Although Illinois State was down some guys from injury, if I remember correctly, but they they couldn't do it, they couldn't move the ball, um, and that quarterback had a terrible day, and they still won the game going away. So it, it's it was it was interesting because NDSU, like you said, they were more physical, they were tougher up front. Yeah. But they also had some speed. That Christian Watson, mm-hmm. wide receiver of theirs. Is That's a the big talk, talk kid, right? Number yeah, one? Number yeah. One. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting because it's like in the start of this dynasty, they were a very well-recruited FCS team. And now they've got such a reputation that they are a destination for fringe FBS guys who didn't get the offer they wanted. Didn't that he's number from, one kid come from Florida or something? He's from Tampa. Tampa. Yeah. So like, it's like, I mean, it's like, and I hate to draw this comparison because not that any NSU fans listen to this podcast, but the ones on the internet are obnoxious. <laughs> Very um, much so. But it's like, it's kind of getting a little bit of Boise State to it where, you know, Boise State in their kind of run of being really good was recruiting guys they had no business recruiting because it was like they were getting guys with a chip on their shoulder who probably were good enough for the Power Five conferences, but for whatever reason weren't getting there and Boise right. State was grabbing them and it's kind of a similar thing you know they're not it's you know the next level down but it's like they've created themselves as this destination right it's interesting the other thing that's interesting to me is there are a lot of people that seem to think JMU could win this game I think they're favored yeah right the now Lions by a point like and JMU half. by a point and a half yeah and I don't get it I mean I mean I haven't watched JMU as closely I've been able to watch two NDSU games but man uh, I'm done doubting. I'm done doubting North Dakota State. Yeah. I thought Montana State could match up well against them. I know after watching that Illinois State one, I even went on R and R catcast. I was like, man, we, yeah. I mean, I don't know if they're gonna win, but they could play okay. And then uh, saw the score later. It's like, oh, no, it's, no. it's the sustained success. They've done it now. They had Craig Bull before, mm-hmm. yep. who's now Wyoming, and now it's Matt Entz. Yeah, Kansas and then Chris Kleeman in between, Kansas who's at Kansas, 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 State, State. Kansas State. And they like, went to a bowl game. They won eight games. First year. My only hope is that the Minnesota has been so crappy at football 
the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. But they had a really good season this Great year. Great season, yeah. I wonder if you know, some of coach. some of like let's say even Nebraska's failures, mm-hmm. some of Minnesota's failures have allowed like really good FBS talent from the Midwest to leak into NDSU. With Minnesota's resurgence and Scott Frost, who's the Nebraska head coach, like he's their messiah, right? Like hopefully he starts siphoning off. Getting some of these guys. Some of those players yeah. that landed in NDSU. I mean, they had freaking Carson Wentz, right? Like, yeah. Second round, second pick of the draft. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. that's unheard of. So, I'm, I don't know. I'm hoping that maybe that has some downstream effects on programs like NDSU. Yeah. Who knows? It's, it'll be interesting I, to watch. It's, it's crazy that we have to hope for sh- stuff like that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I will say is that none of this ever lasts forever. And it's like there was that D3 team that, um, what's his face, the Nordin coach, Kelly coached for years and years. And they were amazing. Uh-huh. And, you know, it, I mean, they, they're still good, but it's not the same. So it's like at some point, you know, or look at the Grizz run. You know, we didn't have all the national titles, but we had the appearances, you know. Mm-hmm. For a while there, we were like every other year in the national championship game. You know, and it, it, stuff happens. Yeah. So it's like I, I don't see it because they reloaded this team and it's young. But... <laughs> You know, who knows? Tough to say. But th- this game coming up this weekend, I, I North Dakota State would be my pick. I yeah, just, they're I, my pick, too, until somebody beats them. Yeah. <sighs> more power to JMU if they do it. <laughs> They've done it once. <laughs> I'm rooting for JMU. Yeah, well, there you go. Are you guys going to tune in if you have the opportunity? I'll probably watch it. It's Saturday in the it's day, like, right? Saturday at like 11 in the morning or oh. something like that on yeah. ABC. Yeah, I'll probably put it on. Hopefully it'll be, you know, Power walking, jogging Ooh. on the treadmill by watching it. I will, I will not be watching it. I got a little robotics competition to oh. go. Ooh. Robotics. It's, it's, it's competition season. You got, a, you got a girl in STEM, don't you? Yeah, I do. That's cool. I do, I do. Um, Yeah. Well, is the robotics competition here? This is the local one. Okay. The state one is actually next week. Oh. Back to back. It's a little weird. All right. But yeah. In Bozeman? In Bozeman. Because of course. Yes. I ran into a, a really nice professor in Costco yesterday and had a great conversation about um, how ridiculous MSU is. And this guy's been to a lot of really good places. He's one of those professors that MS, or that UM is really you know lucky to have. And he was talking about how he's never disliked an institution that's a rival of his as much as he dislikes MSU because they've done such a good job of convincing everybody that they're so good academically but they're really not in comparison. Like, they're good, but it's not like they're heads and shoulders above UM. Like, UM has all kinds of programs that are better than MSU's <laughs> right now. And it was just, it was a very interesting conversation. There <laughs> we go. I, yeah, I, I think MSU is great. Um, I'm not going to take any shine off of them. We have to be better. Yep. Um, but we do have some world-class programs here that don't get the love they deserve. we got to do a better job at that. Anyway. Hashtag do better. Yeah. Be best. Be best. <laughs> Be best. <laughs> All right. So the other thing that happened is uh, signing day. It was the 18th. Yeah. Um, I'm going to run down the list real quick, and then we can talk about some of our highlights. Uh, Robbie Patterson, uh, Juco QB from... Um, whoa, 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 whoa. 
Robbie Patterson, the fourth. fourth. Excuse me, the fourth. The I'm fourth. I'm only calling him the fourth. Do you think All he's right. gonna get the fourth on the on the back of his jersey? I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> oh my gosh, Patterson, Ivy, Ivy. Let's ask Tabor that right now. We're gonna, we're gonna put that out. We've got a really important Grizz football question. Um, and he's got he's got he's I see three years to play three. Yeah. yeah. So he's got three years. Yep. Because he played his freshman year JUCO, and then he. Hurt his knee. The, yes. Um, Mazzulian had a great write-up about him. Um, very interesting. Um, they hope he'll be ready for spring ball. Yeah. Um, to come in and compete. Um, uh, on the freshman side, they signed Carson Rostad from Hamilton. And he won state Gatorade Player of the Year as a junior. junior. Yep. In Hamilton. Yep. So, yeah. Impressive kid. Yep. Um, uh, running back Xavier Harris, um, three-star kid from California. Cool thing about him is they got a two-for-one deal. Because his his buddy Aaron Fontes is a wide receiver, and those guys' film was awesome. Yeah, like those guys, I'm I am pumped about those two. Was Harris? Yeah, Harris was the three star, right? Yeah, Harris yeah. was the three star. Yeah, um, and and uh, Fontes was kind of a surprise. Like you know, the guys who follow uh, recruiting pretty well on Twitter and stuff like that, you know, usually could put together a pretty good list, but he wasn't on it. <laughs> so. It was nice to see. At least he wasn't on one that I saw. I may have I missed see. it. And someone's going to point out, like, oh, no, he was there. So apologies ahead of time. <laughs> um, Jackson Lee, uh, Missoula Sentinel. Local the, uh, kid, yeah. The um, uh, co-op in Drummond, right? He was Drummond and uh, um, Phillipsburg. Phillipsburg, people. Yeah. Are, yep. Yep. Um, so he played for them, then transferred to Sentinel. And Sentinel got a recruiting violation. Oh. Had to pay $50. Ooh. Uh, when he came in, steep. Yeah, it's a, you know, I'm sure God. they really regret that. So I was like, uh, damn. We has the robotics club had to pay any recruiting fines? <laughs> <laughs> robotics recruiting fines. Yeah. Nobody's turned them in yet, big, so we should yeah. be paying attention. Yep. You better be above board, Brent. You shut the hell up. <laughs> um, but he was exciting to watch. He's he's a fast dude. Yeah, and you know he's another running back. It'll be interesting to see what he plays. At UM, yes, yeah, six foot one eighty five coming out of high school. He's it's crowded field, yeah. so it'll be fascinating to see how that unfolds. He, he was one that committed to UM as a junior in the summer, I guess, after his junior year. But I thought, you know, he's going to play at Double A, and somebody might some a bigger offer might come along. So I was mm-hmm. glad to see we got him. I was just, I was glad to see we seem to be getting a lion's share of the Montana athletes. Yeah, really. I mean. And we're, we're not done with this list yet, but no, I mean, like, the cat fans are going to say they're doing well too. But I, I, I think, yeah. I think Hawks had three very good Montana recruiting classes, and I will say that the outcome of the Cat Grizz game this year meant absolutely nothing in recruiting. We did, we didn't suddenly have a an on the fence guy tip the other way. It yeah. seemed like the foregone Cat guys were going. The cats, Cat guys were Cat guys. The Grizz guys were Grizz, Grizz guys. Grizz guys. Yep. Yeah. And maybe with the junior class, I don't know, but it was interesting because it didn't tip anybody. No. Um, uh, let's see. Receivers Drew Deck out of uh, Kalispell Glacier yeah. High School. I've heard good things about him. Um, and then out of Butte Central, great name Guido Ocello. <laughs> I hope I'm saying that correctly. I really want him Who to be significant because that's a, a fun name. And he apparently is Coach Delaney's grandson. Oh, that's or there's some family relation there. I, I did not grandson. know that. Yep. Okay. Butte kid. And so. He and he played receiver and safety. I see they list him as a receiver coming in, but yeah. See how that shakes out. Uh, tight end from Oregon, Eric Barker. Now, Barker was a big get. Wasn't he the one that was – or was it – yeah, because 6'4", 225. Was he a two- or three-star? I think he – if he's the one I'm thinking of. 
There was a little bit of excitement about him when he came in. Yeah, I know people were excited about him. Not not that people weren't are excited um, about the others, but he seemed like a pretty big pretty big land. Another Butte kid, uh, uh, tight end wide receiver Matt Simpkins from Butte Central, six five one ninety. So they got some height in some of these guys. Yeah, absolutely. It's got that you know, tight end is going to be a fun position for a while here. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, a couple big old linemen, Kevin Good out of uh, California, six four two seventy. Uh, Brandon Casey, six six two sixty five out of Sandpoint, Idaho, who had a scholarship offer from Oregon State. They tried to come in and steal him late, and Howkin nice. Company kept him. That's, that's amazing. It's just awesome. I mean, that's just flat out awesome. Um, then Olaman Kylo Lincoln from Hawaii, six five two fifty, and he was another surprise that the, the guys didn't know about as much. I like that we're getting some Hawaii guys. Yeah, there like, used to be a great Hawaii connection to Montana. Huge Hawaii nineties. Yeah, yeah, and. I think we have another Hawaii kid on the team right now. We've got a few. We did have one put his name – well, transferred out. He's going to Central Washington, yeah. uh, the safety. Yeah, and he was the one that committed to Southern Utah and then backed out and came yeah. here. And he must He's just trying to figure out life. Yeah, I think him. we got a linebacker that's a Hawaii. Son Veohe. Yeah. I think yeah. that's how you yeah. say that. Yeah. Um, on the D side, they uh, D lineman named Journey Grimsrud <laughs> from Huntley Project. Nice. got to like it. We're, you know – Reading some of these schools here, this is what some people say the last six or even seven years before Hout came back. This is what what the team was missing, yep. was finding these gems at these small Montana schools and mm-hmm. turn them into something. Um, so that's fun to see. Um, Henry Noose, Glacier High School, that was another one that people were excited about. Um, Asher Croy was the running back who ran all over a butte for Bozeman's uh, state double A championship That's but he coming in as a linebacker. Before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then another linebacker Chase Johansson from Park City, Utah. People were really high on him. Um and you got to like that right out of Weber State's backyard. They did offer him, too. Oh, that's so. right. Yeah, we got him over Weber. Yeah, and then nice. the cornerback who's got the greatest name ever, <laughs> or I don't know if I'm saying it right, but Ojo Soy. Six one one seventy, Murray High School, Murray Utah. Murray Utah kids, so, yeah. yeah, two Utah kids. And then Rishi Daniels from Seattle Prep was another three star. Nice, yeah. And nice. he's he's playing in a the high school all star game. Yeah, he is. Yeah, um, whatever. There, it might be this weekend. Oh, interesting. Okay, but anyway, um, so good class. I like a lot of it. of it. Yeah, I like a lot of it. Little the the secondary side's a little light. A corner and a safety. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a couple of those receivers, um, well, a lot of these kids played a little bit of both ways. So sometimes kids come in. I mean, Tremaine Johnson came in. Well, I think they said an athlete, but they're going to try him as, as a wide receiver and moved him to corner pretty quick out of necessity, and it worked out. And a lot of times these kids get jumbled around, I think. But more O-line guys that are definitely, you look at like they've already got the height coming in, put the weight on them. So I, I this is this this I think some people were hoping for a more flashy class across the board, or some big drop down signings. But it was early signing day. Mo- a lot of these guys we'd had verbaled through the fall, if not sooner, yep. outside of a handful of late guys. So we've still got what is it? February sixth, seventh, fifth, sixth, seventh is the fi- the fi- the second signing day. 16th or 17th. Oh, it's even but later. Could it could be. You could be right. Yeah. Um, so we still got some time to see if something else comes yep. in. Go ahead. Can you see any of these guys getting playing time in the following year? You know, that's always so tough to say, especially because we're so stacked at the skill positions right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like 
we're five deep at running back. <laughs> Receivers, we're going to have more guys than we can get on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if Robbie Patterson's healthy, he comes in. I mean, Robbie's Cam because yeah, he's a transfer. Because he's a transfer, he's, so he holds some advantage. You know, and I mean, I I believe we'll see Xavier Harris play in a few games next year, but I bet you they try to preserve his red shirt because yeah, I mean, of Osmo and Knight. Um, yeah, why would you? Why yeah. would you mess with it? I right. doubt we'll see the receivers, but you know, who knows? I mean, I, you know, those tight ends need to, some weight room. I mean, mm-hmm. 225, 6'4", 225 is not bad. 6'5", 190 is a little thin for a college <laughs> tight end. Yeah. For a tight end, yeah. Um, I don't know. Rishi Daniels, the safety, people were kind of excited about. So maybe one or two, but I kind of doubt it. I mean, we didn't see a ton this year. You know, Corbin Walker and Braxton Hill technically – was right. considered a true freshman, even though he was a gray shirt. It was his second year out of high school. Right, right. True, true, true. Um, but those yeah. were the two guys. And I guess Ewell, the tight end, that kind of had to. Yeah. Yeah, because of the injuries through yeah. the season. Yeah, he, third tight end. But I don't think he played more than four games, did No, he? I think he did. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but those are the only ones. So I don't know. I'll be – nobody jumps out at me as like, oh, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, there's always someone that, that the coaches kind of fall for. So maybe just, yeah, the fourth – Interesting thing is um, the next week and a half or so is is go time for if we're gonna, we're going to know if we're getting any transfers or not because semester starts a week from from Monday. Yeah. Yep. So from today, you know, and it's like you can register late, so you got about a week. But it's like that's about you wouldn't want to be coming any later than that. So it's like this. We, is, we don't encourage students come yeah. after the starting. <laughs> yeah. Year. Yeah. You have syllabus day on Monday, Tuesday. <laughs> you could tell one of the three of us teaches college classes. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Um, so I, you know, I mean, it's going to be interesting and I, I'd love to see some corner help <laughs> and maybe an old lineman to throw in the mix. I don't know, yeah. but I and do know that, that we've both talked to a couple of coaches, Brent, and mm-hmm. they're happy with where they're at. I think they're very happy. Yeah. I, th- this, uh, this definitely feels like that they really want to build and they're, ex- they're, they're excited that they appear to be ahead of schedule. And they brought. It's not that they're not bringing in transfers, but they're not mass bringing in transfers. And Bobby had done this before. We did this in what was it? Oh five, oh six. We brought in a whole bunch of guys to play a year or two. Swagger and Chambers and Allen and I mean, we had a whole bunch of and Bradshaw and Coleman and all sorts of other guys like that. We just brought in anybody we could. Some worked, some didn't. Jeremy Payne. Yeah. Uh, so. I think this time they kind of recognized it didn't that, work out. <laughs> uh, that something to something to build upon and grow upon and bring these guys up rather than snap in. And in talking to some coaches too, I think a lot of what they really want to focus on is they want guys that are going to play in 2020 to be here now. Yeah. And so they really don't want to insert in guys in the summer. So my gut feel is if we don't see a transfer or two, I mean, who knows? Cause like Moses Mallory fell in our lap, like what July last year. Mm-hmm. And obviously that worked out great, but so, it was interesting cause he wasn't a game one starter, you know, and yeah, he, had, then, he, like, he, he didn't get starting until October. Right. And yeah. we saw it with, you know, Cam Humphreys not being there for spring ball yep. and coming in the summer. And it's like his camp from his junior year was night and day. Yeah. Well, night big, and day time, big time. You yeah. Know? It's hard to come in. Luke, you were going to say something before we kind of went off on this. Now, I was I was probably going to step on a question we have from uh, listeners listeners later, but right. um, yeah, we'll just wait for that. Yeah, it's interesting. I think 
I think you're right. I mean, if if a summer transfer fell in their lap, they're going to take him. Of course. I think that um, there's a QB at Washington that we all would take in the summer. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Well, the guy in front of him just was going pro. Yeah. So, so you got to think he's yeah. going to stick around for spring ball to see if he's got a shot at that job. I don't know. But yeah. if Good point. Good point. You know, your, your cousin's on our all-decade team. So <laughs> come on down. Um, anyway, you know. <laughs> sure this is within ncaa compliance this is you know we're just talking here we're just dudes drinking um soda water and crown royal i could be be talking about washington university in st louis for all you know ncaa yep do they have a football team (laughs) (laughs) Um, anything else on recruiting no i like where we're at um i think the thing i like about what they're recruiting and the way they're doing this is there's spots on this team that are spots of concern that need guys to come up, but there's nothing where it's like it is a, a black hole. Like there is absolutely nobody there. Holy cow, what are we going to do to some extent? I mean, I would say I don't have any idea who our cornerbacks are going to be, but I don't know that we're going to get statistically worse than we were against past defense. Fair, so. fair, yeah. Nash is still here. Nash is still here. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean – I think I, I don't know. I haven't looked at the listener questions, but you're talking about cornerback. Let's say mm-hmm. we've got Corbin Walker, mm-hmm. Gavin Crow potentially. I gotta think they didn't introduce him at senior day, so I gotta think he's gonna try and get his. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. He's a junior. They showed him as a junior, junior on the roster. Okay, yeah. and then like Josh Egbo. Those Egbo. are three guys on and the Nash, team. and then Darian Nash, Darian Nash. So that's four. That's those are four guys currently on the roster that I think would play unless we got a drop down. Yeah, that's fair. So, but I think if if there's a guy that's dropped, you know, coming down out of a Pac-12 or Mountain West with starting experience that, or a grad transfer, like a Reed Miller, like we had playing safety the year yeah. before, it's like yes, <laughs> if he comes here and wants to play, like let's let's find a spot for the guy because that that definitely feels like the, the one spot if they could bring in a even a one year year to go guy. I mean, anybody's there are positive. Get that that's what I would love to know. Do the how do the coaches hold scollies? You know, for potential drop downs, like how do they move one seat to the left to make sure that they would have enough. My hunch is there's a little bit of gambling on their part that Mm -hmm. you're going to have some attrition in the spring. Yeah. You know, it's like guys, some guys choose to leave on their own. So they start winter condo Mm -hmm. on Monday, Mm -hmm. spring ball in April, March, March, April. Yeah. Usually pancake it around spring break. And by the end of, by the end of spring break, a lot of these players start understanding, start self-selecting based off of... Yep. Oh, and the coaches probably start having conversations, like, we're moving you off scholarship. You're yep. not actually going to get the scholarship you thought you were. You Which have... is probably a terrible conversation to have. <laughs> yeah. I mean, scholarships run on the MUS budget, right? So it's 7-1 through 6-30. I would it? assume. So, calendar year. And yeah. I've always heard this from coaches staffs ad that scholarships are aren't a career-long commitment it's a it's an annual commitment year to year. so this coaching staff is going to know into june and i can't imagine it's tough to say well, but like if suddenly you get a grad transfer corner and then you've got a preferred walk on 
that's I don't know that, that that was supposed to award something that's like, hey kids, sorry, we're we're not going to be able to help you. I I I don't know that how that yeah. works behind the curtain. I know that they found the you know the GSA athletic um, the department has found money to give these students some uh, summer session right tuition. Yes, and so you know what the QB club QB club I think QB club. UM has seen a bump in summer enrollment, and a big proportion of that has actually been <laughs> football. Football, yeah. Um, finding a way to keep all these students around. See, but I, don't let anybody tell you football is not good for enrollment. Football is wonderful for enrollment. <laughs> um, but I wonder if that's really like you know other teams. You know, these players at other schools are also seeing the same thing. Like, I'm going to lose it there. Mm-hmm. Now I start shopping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, could yeah. be absolutely interesting. I would love to, you know, and maybe in the off season if we can get a coach on. Or somebody to better explain how scholarships. Yeah, yeah, that would be interesting. That would be interesting. I think, uh, and a fascinating thing, I think a lot of people just make assumptions of guys that are on scholarships or guys that are on football scholarships versus half football or half academic or full academic or guys that are just getting money for books. And that surprised me. Every now and then it'll, it'll just surprise you where it'll be. I I don't I I have no idea. So I'm using this as a hypothetical example, but it's like, oh yeah, Jordan Tripp was on books for three years or something. I'd be like, what? What? Yeah. What? But it's and, like, but so I don't know if he was, but like, it's like, but every now and then I'll get a comment from like a parent or something, like someone just kind of in the know where I'll be like, oh yeah, he's not. You're like, he's a starter, and he's like, he's a or something or or whatever, and. You'll see it a lot, especially with Montana kids, because just the in-state. Yeah, I mean, it's like you know, I I had a, a decent scholarship my freshman year. You know, it was the equivalent of probably a little under a partial. So, you know, if I could do it, <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about, These Mike? These other guys could too. <laughs> you know, only the best. <laughs> um, it's gonna be interesting to watch, uh, Luke. We need to talk about. Probably the best linebacker to ever play at Montana, right? I I suppose we could find room to talk about Dante 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 in our podcast. <laughs> and I'm I'm kind of sad that when looking forward into future GFPs, we're gonna have to talk about Dante as like in the past tense. Yeah, but hopefully we can talk about him like. In the NFL. NFL contributor, Dante Olsen. I like him as a Grizz contributor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, What if if he goes like the Seahawks? Oh, no. None of us us are happy. (laughs) All our faces just drop. Uh, So what's what's Dante been up to lately, guys? So he's now up to six All-American designations. Can't even count them on one hand. Um, He was at the Orange Bowl last week. um, Yep. For the, what's the Good Works team? Yeah, the All-State Good Hand. Which also carried like a... Was it a $20,000 stipend or something like that? I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, it was a, or 15000 Like, there was cash involved in that one. So, good for him. Nice. Um, what a cool thing to be a part of. It's like the best collegiate football players in the nation for their service to the community. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, and it's on TV during the Orange Bowl, and there's Dante right front and center. It's a Montana uniform yep. on. You, know, you got to love that. Yeah. It's like we don't. I don't have we had a guy like collect just this much type of accolades. I mean, I'm trying to think of our like Tyron, and I'm not trying to like pit the two against each other, but Tyron Holmes 
It didn't feel like it was quite or, this much, even though Tom Corey Bierman, won the I equivalent mean, of the Buchanan. Yeah, so it's and, like, and Corey Bierman. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of other like national award winners that we've had. No, I mean, we, we've had a lot of performance award winners. We've mm-hmm. had a couple of these Good Works Team award winners in the past. Like we have. Palmer right. was maybe the last one we had. Okay. Um, but it's it's but kind it of wasn't like, like a combination Colt, of both. But know? Colt wasn't necessarily like an all-American American American. performer. Yeah. Um, but Dante, like if you looked at the Venn diagram of all American level performers and all American level, uh, guys who give to their community with, with service, he checks both boxes. Like that's, I mean, once in a generation, right? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's been amazing. It's awesome. Um, Friday night, they award the, um, the Buck Ward, the yep. Buchanan Award and the, um, you know, the Walter Brand Award, which we don't have anybody up for. But, uh, um, <laughs> you know, he was a finalist last year, so it's the second year he's got to go. And, you know, they're all good. There's a guy from JMU and a guy from... Um, I can't think of that. No. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, man, I'll be disappointed if he doesn't win. I'll be honest. I've got a funny story about um, when Croy Bierman won. Mm-hmm. So I was in a class with Croy. It was called... Mind, Body, Spirit. And it was taught by a guy named Professor uh, Dr. Tom Whidden, who's since passed away. You can see a bench on the M in his memoriam. Oh, okay. And he was a very nice nice man. And he was towards the end of his career. And <clears throat> this class was essentially is a Tuesday, Thursday class, 90 minutes. The first 45, he demonstrated and, and guided a meditation mindfulness technique. Uh, very important for your health and wellness, you know, mind-body connection, things like that. And the last 45 minutes would be some sort of lecture. And Croy was in this class, and I was in this class, and he was up for the Buck Buchanan Award. Uh, everyone knew that he was up for it, and we had we had to give some sort of presentations in the class, and Croy had to miss the presentation, his scheduled presentation, because he was going to be gone, and he he had been awarded the Buck Buchanan (laughs) trophy. So he had told Tom, uh, he told Tom that I've won this award, it's top secret, and I've got to miss class. And so I imagine the conversation was like, great, Croy, no worries, we'll reschedule you, um, so uh, have fun. Well, in class... That week, Tom is like, well, students, uh, Croy was supposed to present uh, on Thursday, but he's going to be gone. You see, he's won this prestigious award. (laughs) It's called the Buck Buchanan. It's the best defensive player in the country. And I look over at Croy, and he's he's like, he's just shaking his head. Like, he can't even, like... He's like, no. <laughs> and I uh, was like, Troy, stand up. And like, class, give him a round of applause. Oh, my God. And Croy stands up and he's like, actually, no one is supposed to know I won this. Um, so if you could all keep this secret, I would really appreciate it. And I, meanwhile, have my flip phone out, T9 wording me, like, under the desk, everyone. I was going to say, you might have been the person who told me that. <laughs> I was like, Croy Bierman won the Buck Buchanan. In fact, I think you were. Yeah. It was so funny to see Croy's face. <laughs> 
<laughs> Tom just didn't get it. <laughs> he didn't get the secrecy. Oh my lord, that's awesome. But also kind of what makes college sports fun. <laughs> yeah. Because oh, it's like, it's like this is awesome. No, it's just... So I like to think Dante's walking around knowing he's Maybe won he this knows. award. Maybe he knows. Well, they bring the finalists. Or do they do they bring all the finalists for the buck? They bring the finalists for the Walter Payton. Yeah, they bring the finalists for the buck. Okay. And then they all go to the, the title game too, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the coach there. gets to go too. Yeah. So. Well, I'm looking at a site. Um, NFL Draft Scout hasn't updated their projections of where they, they put Dante, but um, mm-hmm. uh, some other draft sites are have run some some hypotheticals and range him anywhere from a fourth round to a sixth round pick. Um, and their teams of suggestion are Chicago, Washington, mm-hmm. Seattle, Green Bay, or once again, Seattle. I so. am thinking that, that he will outperform like he always has yeah. and go in the third round I like uh, it. to the 49ers. No, last pick of the third round. <laughs> would you, Mike, as a 49ers fan, would you be disappointed to draft Dante in the third? No. Not even slightly. You wouldn't be like, why did we take him in the third? We could have got him in the fourth. No. Nope. <laughs> I, I remember. Nope. I, I want a Dante Olsen 49ers jersey so bad. Uh, I would be happy if we took him in if the they, second. If he ends up on the Niners, we are buying Dante Olsen jerseys. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> We'll get you one too. I'll g- give me like one of the like knockoff T-shirts. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the little twenty-five dollar ones they sell outside of the stadium. Yeah, <laughs> I remember uh, when <clears throat> Tremaine Johnson was in the draft, and the Packers needed a cornerback, and it was like, because didn't he get drafted in like the fourth round or something like that? Yeah, he was early, and third round came up, and Packers were kind of late. And it, it was like, oh, my God, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. And then they drafted some guy out of Vanderbilt, and he was trash. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and then um, it wasn't – was it the Rams? No. Who was it? Where did he go first? The Rams. Rams, drafted. yeah. So yep. the Rams drafted him. Yeah, St. Louis at that now time. now he's yeah. the highest-paid quarterback in the league for well, the Jets, and the Jets not fans anymore, hate him. Right? But imagine getting in on <laughs> Tremaine's first contract. Oof. That would have been fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, boy, oh, boy. Last thing, last note on Dante. I feel like, and, and if I'm wrong, I don't care, so don't correct me, anybody. <laughs> I feel like we started the Dante. Oh, we did. Oh, yeah. And that has been co-opted by everybody. Like, <laughs> even UM Athletics sends out, like, Dante. Dante. Yeah. <laughs> so that started here. Gris Fan Pod. It's proof that UM Athletics listens to the pod. Hey, we're glad to have you. I actually almost tweeted that. That's actually crazy. Say, hey, is there anything you guys want to talk about? <laughs> we, we will happily be a propaganda machine. Just let us know. <laughs> State media over yeah, here. We need to know what you want us to say. UM Athletics is amazing. It yeah. does nothing wrong. All is well. All is- <laughs> we, you know. This could go real. <laughs> I'm not kidding. If you guys have any propaganda messages, send them our way. We'll happy, get it out there. Happy to share them. Happy to share them. <laughs> Unless it's about rodeo, in which case uh, Luke doesn't really like the rodeo. Oh, team, that's so right. Luke hates it rodeo. Luke doesn't think. Yeah. I like bull riding. Cool. I watched a little bull riding actually this break. I got. I There's got a PBR final. Um. PBR I could go off on this whole tangent about how I got appointed to this board that's supposed to lead fundraising for the fairgrounds in the rodeo arena. Um, so of I'm course gonna, you did. I'm right? going to have you uh, lead that rodeo charge. All I know about rodeo is it's boots, it's chaps, it's cowboy hats, oh my God. it's spurs, and the let it go, Mike. 
It's the ropes and the reins. Oh, Brent, I don't know this song. It's the joy and the pain. Uh, yeah, and no. they call the thing a rodeo. Oh, <laughs> next time we're all in the car together, we do need to give you some car I mean, I've listened to enough of your rap. Oh. All right. Um, a couple other things of interest, and then let's talk about the decade. Yeah. Um, one thing that I think all three of us are in agreement it's not going to happen, but it's worth mentioning. Um, pro football rumors or whatever the tweet, whatever the Twitter account is, um, which is usually pretty accurate, says that San Diego State coach Rocky Long is shopping himself around for big-time college football defensive coordinator positions. So if that's the case, then there's going to be a coach opening, a head coach opening at San Diego State, which is before how came here the job that everybody thought he was slotted for. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Coach Houck is leaving Montana. I mean, I just don't see it. Um, it seems like that guy that, that uh, Houck really wanted to be the D coordinator here is Zach Garnett, who's right, the head yeah, of South Dakota State yeah. hired, or San Diego State hired. Yeah. Seems like they would just bump him up. I don't know. But um, that is out there, so I feel like we had to acknowledge it. I don't get, I don't get the sense he's leaving. No, I don't think so. I don't think you put it all on the line and make people take a chance on you and leave after two years. I don't see it for a second. It's tough to say. I, I think, and of course, Mike, you and I at the QB club, the, like the, the the interaction we get with Bobby and, and the things you hear him say about how happy he is to be back mm-hmm. and to see the people that support him and support the program and, and, and are what makes this job fun for him. It seems like he's really in a spot where he's really enjoying what he's doing. Now, Money can change that, yeah. uh, but it, it it seems a little far fetched, yeah. Especially, yeah. I think he likes being a head coach, and I don't know. If, <clears throat> especially if Arnett gets promoted, no, he's not going anywhere. Bobby's not going to go back yeah, there no, to be another no, coordinator. No, yeah, absolutely no, no, no. not. Not even not a chance. And with our schedule next year, <laughs> yeah, had <laughs> that had that resume. <laughs> um. So, Brent came out with an all-decade Grizz team. And then Coulter copied me. Yeah, and then where, Coulter, you know, fuck. stole the idea. Whatever. <laughs> but where, do, where, where would our listeners find your um, all-decade team? Your favorite website, egrizz.com. Oh, that's not what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Non-video streaming website. <laughs> oh. um, so do we want to talk about his team or your team? Well, our teams are pretty similar, actually. All so right, we right. we could talk about we could talk about my team because I did it too deep, and he just did okay, guys. Why don't you go through yours, and I will point out if he's got any okay. differences. Uh, so I'll start on the offense side. So what I did, I did it too deep, and I didn't really break this down from a statistical standpoint. I just grabbed guys that I thought if I'm building the too deep, this is how I want it. So quarterback, uh, QB one, Jordan Johnson, backup Dalton Snead. Yeah, I mean, I, those are the only two guys to have the conversation. I mean, I tried to find a way to put Shea Smith Wickhan in there, but oh, I like Shea. I, I used to see either way. Yeah, I, mean, I love it. One of my favorite <laughs> runs of all time. Um, you're talking Mobile about quarterback. You're talking about individual seasons, you know. I mean, honestly, Gresh Jensen's probably the third guy on that list. Probably, which yeah. Says something yeah. about our whole decade. Gresh, yeah. One year. Gresh, because you get these one year guys like. Reese Phillips was looking great until he shattered his leg, you know. So, but I mean, that's yeah. Yeah, I don't. I I I think Jordan Johnson's absolutely the right right answer. And I know at one point, you know, before Snead got hurt this year, we were talking about where does he rank in the the echelon, and we kind of came to those two guys and thought mm-hmm. that Dalton was going to end up above him, and then he got hurt and things kind of got derailed. 
But yeah. I also think that you're in the moment. It's hard to compare the guy that you're watching right away with the guy from the past. Yep. But yep. we were talking about that playoff run in 2011, where where Johnson, you know, put us on his back and yeah. won some big games and almost beat Sam Houston State. Yep. Um, those were, I mean, that was that was good. It was. Uh, he, you know, obviously had some incidents off the field, which are what they are. Um, but then he came back, you know, took one had a year away and then came back and we were in year two and three of the McDelaney uh, era. 13 and 14. Yep. And completely wasted his talents in a pro style offense. I mean, just looking back on all of the kind of ridiculous coaching things you've seen around the country, <laughs> it, you know, that's got to rank up there. It's like, how could you not see that you had this perfect guy for a spread option RPO type of offense and we're trying to run yeah you could argue on the other hand he took less hits so he was able to make it through the two seasons healthier yeah yeah because you know in his senior year in like the last four or five games they finally were like oh we're gonna go back to the RPO and it was like (laughs) exciting and awesome but Oh. Yeah, so that's QB. Uh, running back, I, I sparked some controversy. I had Chase Reynolds as number one. I don't think anyone would doubt that. But uh, I put Trayvon Van as uh, two, and a lot of people were pointing out Jordan Canada. Um, what about Dan Moore? If yeah. this was an all-potential team. But he just, <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, he just he was hurt all the time. Like, he he was awesome, but he just didn't – he wasn't consistently on the field enough in my opinion. Yeah. I think Trayvon Van had like a speed and just a like just a like a raw skill factor, and yeah, he was a guy that that got hurt a little too much too. But he was a receiving threat. I think he was like our third leading receiver his senior year. I I I like Jordan Canada plenty. I, I kind of went back and forth on the two, and um, that that was one where it was a tough pick. Uh- uh, Coulter Skyline team is Jordan Canada. He said that yeah. um, Reynolds was m- the majority in the previous decade, so that, that's the team he would be on. Today. And that's fair because Reynolds was just 2010, and he was actually kind of banged up and didn't have the wasn't the, his the best, best his... 2010. Although he broke records in 10, oh, yeah. but career records, yeah. Um, so. Canada, though, you know, uh, the Skyline article says he's one of the most underrated Grizz skill players of the last decade. And looking at it, that's probably accurate. I mean, he's fourth all time in rushing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. touchdowns. Yeah. Um, I mean, Knight's going to destroy that touchdown record in theory two more years, but we also thought that uh, Calhoun would destroy that. Yeah, that's those true. touchdown records. That's very true. So who knows what can happen there. Yep. Um, did you have a fullback? I did not. Because Coulter had a fullback, and it was Dan Moore. So hey, there you go. There you go. Looking for your mm. Luke's. Luke's looking for the guys in the gym. You know the the workout specimen. I oh, tried to work my. Mark. I tried to work Joey Counts into my list. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's probably a top ten list that Joey Counts could be on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a conversation for another day. Oh boy. Uh, okay, so receiver. I did three receivers. So my three starting receivers was Samori Toure, Jamal Jones, and Ellis Henderson. And then okay. my three in the backup was Jabin Sambrano, Sammy Akem, and Jerry Louis McGee. And Akem, more because he got hurt. Man, I don't know. Like, that's a tough one for me because those guys were good. But, I mean, Akem still has a season to go and is, is sniffing their career totals. Yeah, yeah. That's a tough one. But, yeah. I mean, I can't argue with that. I mean, it's a hell of a group. And I think you, you even leave a – 
kind of maybe a couple guys out as well too. That yeah, that that was a that was a tricky one. Uh, uh, Coulter's were the same. Uh, Jamal Jones, Ellis Henderson, and some Artori. Yeah, Coulter. Good work. Way to do your homework, buddy. Uh, <laughs> like it was, yeah. Tight end. Uh, I went. Tight end was a little tricky because we had three years of no tight ends. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I had called. I, I had Bingham as number one, and then I had uh, Greg Hardy uh, as as backup because I mean Greg Hardy is Coulter's yeah. guy. Yeah, Greg Hardy. Uh, Early class C Fairview High. Fairview. How many touchdowns did he have? Not a lot. (laughs) One, two, (laughs) two, two. He two. How how is he our? Well, who who Reservold has more touchdowns? But I mean, you got to think about it. There's a a big chunk of the decade where we didn't employ tight ends. I mean, Flugrad and Stitt. But I mean, I guess if we're Hardy was there in Flugrad's time. Yeah. Oh. Isn't Matt Renswold already on the top of this list? Whoa! <laughs> He's got more touchdowns than is, Greg Hardy. Is that all it's about? Listen, I want to root for Greg Hardy. He's a Fairview kid, <laughs> like small town dude. Like, but it's kind of strange. I don't know. He didn't even have 500 yards receiving. He started 36 straight games. All right, that's pretty good. Uh, over his final two years, got 51 passes for 472 yards. In a all big sky, first team all big sky honors in 2011 and 2012. Who's your favorite tight end of all time? As a Grizz, yeah, mine, uh, JJ Thompson. Thompson. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> also, one of the fans' most uh, uh, underused tight ends ever. I just always remember him more than anybody else. I can remember the fans in the stands being like, "Why don't they throw to the tight ends anymore?" <laughs> <You know? laughs> JJ never got the ball. JJ. <laughs> um. All right, so my first team O-line was tackles were John Operud, Danny Kissler. Okay. Guards were Ben Wire and Will Pales, and my center was Alex Verlanik. Um, those are all similar to the Skyline ones, except the guard was Angel Villanueva, oh, which is interesting. Interesting. I would take that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I uh, this year's Angel was, yeah. I accept that argument. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. My backup tackles were Burton and um, David Reese. The and center then, was uh, Kelby Oyland, by the way. Oh, Kelby, yeah. I went with Cy Sermon. I like I like the way Cy played this year. And then Robert Luke and Steve Saban at guard in the back backup spot. So that was my uh, that was my, my my offense side of it. O line O line. The fascinating thing with O line with mine it was like Operud, Burton, Kistler, Reese, uh, Verlanic, Saban. So a good chunk of them was like. 10, 11, 12, 13 kind of guys, and then and then a little bit of a gap. So it kind of showed a little bit of a disparity where you weren't plucking a lot of guys from 15, 16, 17, a few, but it just not as many guys that just jump out. So it shows kind of something that they're they're building back upon. And, yeah, so. Who was your kick returner? My kick returner? I, I went with Malik over Ellis. Yeah. So, Skylines was Jabin Sembrano. He had a year or two. No, but uh-uh. This yeah, is he, wrong, Coulter. He took one for a touchdown. Great. Yeah, no, he had a year or two. I mean, he, I'm not Against arguing like that D2 he was a kicker. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I go with Malik. Malik Flowers. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Like, there's, like, I mean, those guys were all exciting, but the only guy that I compare Malik to, like, always being excited that if he gets a good, clean catch, he could go yeah. is... Um, uh, what was that cornerback's name from Colorado? Um, 
what was his name? Corner. And kick returner and punt returner. What year? Oh, man. He played for Joe Glenn. Lavander. Lavander Seegers. Oh. He's Wyoming. Wyoming. Okay. Maybe, maybe grew up in Colorado. Either way. Yeah. yeah. Lavander yeah. Seegers. Lavander like that's, Seegers. But, and that's yeah. it. Like yeah. I, I really enjoyed watching Javon Sobrano, but I never had like the no. feeling like, oh, my God, this could go any time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I had, I had uh, Malik Flowers, kick returner, Jerry, Louis McGee as punt returner. Who Coulter have as his long snapper? Uh, I had a long snapper. His all-purpose was Trevon Van. He did not have a long snapper. God, Coulter. Um, OD. This is all American as, as any all to American discuss. OD. You know, there were other All-Americans, but OD. <laughs> All-American. I love Forever. It. I love it. I love that, you know, the nation recognizes greatness. <laughs> <laughs> like, they don't care about the pot belly. Does OD have uh, NFL aspirations? I he better. I mean, I've always heard you know teach your kid the long snap and they'll get a college education, but they gotta go pro too. <laughs> I mean, he's got hustle. Oh, he does. I like it. OD is our guy. <laughs> I like that you worked him into your. Uh, I worked OD in. <clears throat> I gave Aaron Held a shout out as uh, backup there. All right. Chris Aaron, Lyle, Aaron your Held, boy. Aaron, he's still on campus getting a PhD. Oh, no kidding. Nice. Yeah. Still looking trim. Perfect. Yeah. I had Brody McKnight as my kicker and Brandon Purdy behind him. There was the <clears throat> the, the kid that transferred from Wyoming. I can't remember his name. Who I was debating about as well, too. Chris Leiter for punter. And Adam Wilson, the backup, because I liked Adam Wilson's net overall. I think Skyline had um, Eric Williams, who was another good option there, too. So defense. D-line. Um, I, I went with... I went with four D linemen, even though I know we've been kind of changing things up a little bit. But Tyron Holmes, Zach Wagaman, the end. You know, um, uh, McCaffrey made the NFL All Pro team as a running back and a flex player. Same same guy made two positions All Pro, so I think you can have four D linemen. Hell yeah, thank <laughs> you. We'll, we'll allow it. Uh, Jesse Sims, Tonga Takai at D tackle, backup. Did, yeah. Did, I noticed uh, an omission here, which was obviously purposeful. Yes. How do you think about what do you think about Zach Peavy? <laughs> Zach Peavy, he's a good dude. He was I like good. the family. Yeah, he was good. He was one of those guys. Wasn't like, he good? Yeah, he he was just one of those. I think he 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 was a guy that wasn't like a big stat monster, but he he played all over the line too. I think he went inside. He was on the end and he went inside. I wouldn't vote for him as first team. But I was looking at the Brian Waldenhauser, and I was like, maybe Peavy could have slid in there. What do you think? I think Waldo. I, no, Waldhauser. I think Waldhauser was like all con- like all conference two years in a row. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, and I okay. had Kidder in there too. I think Coulter had Kidder up over. And talking to guy, he had both of them. Yeah, yeah. So, and then my backup DN Severin Campbell and Tucker Shy. Severin a little bit of unfortunate lost potential after getting. Cheap shot. Cheap shot in Portland State. Um, and Shy, Shy was just kind of one of those forgotten guys where he went and pulled up his stats and he had like 15 sacks one year. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot all about that. He was so good. Yeah. So, And he came in as a middle linebacker, talking about guys moving around on position. Linebacker, uh, Dante, Brock Coyle, Josh Buss. That's a deep group. Linebacker. Like, that's a tough Tough. Like, so We're leaving out John Canangata. Yeah, I didn't even have Canagata because so I so Dante Brock and Josh at the start, and then Trip McSurdy and Kendrick Van Akron, 
And yeah, I don't have Jeremiah Cose. I don't have JP Canagata. I mean, and I mean, some of those guys played professionally in Canada. I mean, it's like some of them, yeah. <laughs> and Herbert Gamboa. I, I mean, there, there was a lot of linebackers to pick. We're linebacker like you. linebacker, you, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, cornerback, cornerback was a little interesting one in some of the spots where obviously Tremaine Johnson, and then then what do you do? So I went Nate Harris. I think Skyline did too, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Nate Harris um, was really good. Nate Harris was good. His ability to talk shit was even better. And, uh, <laughs> I admire that. <laughs> Especially as a corner. Uh, Houston Roots, I put in the back. up. He was one of those ones. I always felt that he should have also been first team with True in 2011, but the voters didn't want to put both Montana corners on the first team. Uh, and J.R. Nelson. Uh, you know, he kind of he had some pretty some pretty magical moments. And you have the uh, – Punt block and the or the the not not block but the picked up the oh against Idaho State the Idaho State was like he was he was like he was like a black belt as well too so he was one of these kind of like what yeah so but then there was like Anthony Goodwin as well too there was a couple corners what, to choose from like what do you think where where did Ryan McKinley land on this I don't think I had him in here he was At all. A, yeah I mean I think he doesn't make this this too deep but it, he was probably one of those guys like yeah. I thought I thought he could play. Anyway, all right. Uh, safety, safety was kind of I I I went with Eric Stoll and Mike McCord, two guys that I think both graduated in 2010 or 2011. Um, he was Matt uh, Skyline's Matt Hermison and Mike. McCord. Yeah, he had Hermison and McCord, and then I had Sandry and Justin Strong behind them. Yeah, Hermison was a four-year or three-year starter, and the fourth year rotated in. But he was a guy that, yeah, that was like we had three years of Matt Hermanson and Bo Tully. And those were, didn't that start in 2012? So it was 12, 13, 14. And steady players, but I just think, I don't know. Yeah. I, no Matt Lebsock. <laughs> <laughs> what, did, you, did you think about inching um, Yaman Sanders on this list? Yeah, I had a hard time with like guys like Yaman. Um, yeah, I, you just see, he seemed physically gifted, but maybe was always didn't get I mean, it. That was he one never of those quite like, put it together. He came here because they wanted him to play linebacker, and it was like you could kind of see in some spots in certain games. There's a reason why they wanted him to play linebacker, and it's just because he's a big physical specimen and he can hit, and he's 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 qu- quicker than most linebackers, especially at this level. But as a safety, especially, um, he he get he gets spun around quite a bit, caught out in, in the open. It turns out Yaman did his best work on Love Island. Love Island? Did you know this? <laughs> no. You didn't know this? <laughs> I'm gonna Google it right now. Uh, Yaman made himself oh, into a reality. I think I TV knew this because. Oh. I think you brought this up in a checkdown once. <laughs> oh my god. Oof. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta perform after college somehow. Wow. Yeah, he's one handsome man. Good for you, Eamon. <laughs> so, so that was my team. Okay. If um, if any Grizz fan potters have opinions on this, uh, tweet at us. Uh, respond to Brent's post on eGrizz. It's it's titled Montana All Decade Too Deep. Posted on December thirty first, twenty nineteen. Yeah, I think the one that's really pissed people off was um, <clears throat> leaving Jordan Canada out. Someone also pointed out to me too, which was a tricky one, Jimmy Wilson. 
Because Jimmy yeah. came back for a year. And got drafted and went on to and play got drafted. And so he played he played corner in like what, oh five, oh oh four, oh five, oh six? And then, you know, went to jail and then got you know, was able to get his charges overturned. Was exonerated. Exonerated yep. and then came back to the UM and played safety. And I think that was twenty twelve. I feel like it was twelve. Wow. And then gets drafted and goes plays for the Dolphins for a few years. So, um, did you but look it's at like his body, his major body of work well, that wasn't was, in this decade. That was so. a tough thing. But it was like in 12, he was a good safety. I just, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. You just remember certain things about guys. And I think that 2012 game, the Cats beat the Grizz in Missoula. And there was a play where, because Wilson, especially that year as a safety, just was a, part, a big hitter. Of course, he was like older, <laughs> bigger, tougher guy. He was a full grown man. <laughs> he was, <laughs> had some life experience. He had some life experiences. <laughs> and he, there was a play where he went to just go drill a cat running back, but he just did the, you know, and and the back bounced off of him and curled around the side and scored a touchdown. It was like, oh, it doesn't always work. <laughs> But, I'll tell you yeah. what, Jimmy Wilson's Wikipedia bio could use some touching up. It's oh. like it's like getting a resume with some with, with some gap years in here that aren't explained. <laughs> it's like, uh, like a buddy of mine that DJed at a strip club for five years, yeah. and it was just like, yeah, I'm just not going to put that in the... <laughs> what happened in your work history? <laughs> I was finding myself. <laughs> <laughs> but he would be a fascinating interview. I don't know. I, I doubt Jimmy's still living in... I don't think he retired to Montana. No, I'm... I'm Jimmy, if you're ever in the in the zip code, hit us up. I, I would love to interview you. Awesome, love it. Um, any, you know, obviously, and and we don't want to make any light of of the, some real serious stuff happened at the university in this decade, and we don't want to make any light of it. And you know, we don't, we're, you know, obviously that's not the topic of this pod at all. But in a world where. N- UM had all their stuff together in all the right ways, and none of that happened. Let's just say, what what are the what ifs? Like, what do you what? Because really, this decade is all about like what could have been in a couple different eras. You know, the yeah. Stitt era, the Flugrad era. Like, well, we start 2010 off. Who's our Who's our coach? It's Robin Flugrad. Robin Flugrad. Yeah. His departure is an inflection point. What if? in Grizz football uh, history mm-hmm. that is super fascinating. Like, what if Robin Flugrad stays? What if there's no um, uh, gap in Jordy Johnson's career? Like, how? what's the trajectory of this program through the rest of the decade? I mean, they're coming off a semifinal run in 2011 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where they kind of, it seemed like they finally put together Flugrad's offense. It was clear that he had his quarterback. You know, <laughs> is there any reason to think that this team had um, foundational cracks that would have led to slippage in the mid part, late part of the decade? I will say my one concern, and there's going to be people who disagree with me, but they're ignorant, um, <clears throat> is I don't think Flugrad recruited O'Lyman very well. Yeah. Like that started with Flugrad and Scott Gregg. You know, yeah. Basically, from the moment Hauk left, we did not recruit Lyman consistently. We had some good guys. Yeah. But it's like they just it 
we started recruiting a different type of lineman and it was a mess. And then Delaney was terrible at it. Terrible. Stick got even worse. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you think about what you need to run a Flugrad offense, like you don't need pro style offensive linemen, right? Yeah. You need smaller, smaller, you, quicker. You, yeah. you need different types of linemen. You do. Yeah. Yeah. And you need better types of skill players. Mm-hmm. But do you think like, uh, do you think Flugrad would have been the coach that could have given us this like high flying type of offense in a sustained fashion at the University of Montana? Cold weather, hmm. mountain culture, kind of rough blue collar style. Like, I mean, if, sense. If you look at what the Big Sky Conference was for most of this decade, he would have fit right in. You know? That's that's what I think. I mean, yeah. what Montana State was doing where they were scoring 60 points a game and giving up 70, you know, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Eastern Washington, phenomenal flying the ball around everywhere. I mean, Flugrad's offenses would have fit right in. It seems like Flugrad was first to that party in the big sky. I mean, I, I that would be ignoring Don Reed. but um, <laughs> Different era. But Different for, era. But for quite, quite, quite a stretch, because when Bobby was here the first time, it was everyone was just trying to do what he was doing for the most part outside of Jerry Glanville at Portland State, and that was and they couldn't win a game. Extent. Yeah, Eastern a little bit with uh, yeah Eric uh, with Wolf and those guys. Mm-hmm. The, the trick I think with some of it too is th- there's a lot of what ifs on the other side. Uh, Flu built his teams up very heavily with transfers, and we you keep hearing the talking point of you know, team just building up team culture, building up a lasting product. A lot of these teams that we see in the big sky, I mean, I can you can go down the line. Portland State, what, two years ago, had 20-some transfers on it uh, and like 15 of them starting, and they, they beat a Division two school or an FBS school. They get to the playoffs and they lose, and then they're, they've, they're just terrible again. And so I think Flu might have been using a formula that might have been a little flawed uh, in the long run. And then the other thing you can look at, and again, it's just tough to say, but Jordan Johnson might have been a very unique type of talent for that offense because they tried to get Trent McKinney to do the same thing, and it sure as hell didn't work. And Shea Smithwick-Hahn was a recruit that Flew brought in, and Shea was not not the QB for that type of system. And so there's kind of those points as well, too. Like, I, I didn't there, – there didn't seem to be this, like, built-up trajectory that, yes, when Jordan graduates, you know, Trent's going to snap in, and then this guy, and then that guy, and we'll just be – and it could have happened. I'm not saying it couldn't have, but there's kind of some things where it's – Yeah, I mean, the – Yeah. But it's just – In like, consecutive years, the two biggest quarterback recruits didn't pan out in yeah. the way that Jordy Johnson did. And, Recruits don't pan out. Like things happen. Like you, that that mm-hmm. that happens all across the place. So sure. and, and so it's like, could that have been something where the 2012 Grizz could have got to the national title? Uh, the 2013 Grizz would have been garbage, and then the 14 Grizz are a little better because they're suddenly full of a bunch of new transfers, and it's just this kind of choppy up down. Or is it something they can just keep building? And that's that's the unknown. I think you look at a lot of the things, especially that Bobby Houck focuses on, is this good blend of making sure you've got a focus of Montana uh, kids to bolster this roster and build the identity of this team. And I don't think Flugrad, I I don't think Flugrad really bought into that. And so I agree. I think you could have seen something where Montana state probably wouldn't have had those ugly 
Ash, well, I mean, but look at Montana State. Like, Ash, they, they do that a lot, too. They bring in a lot of kids from, from kind of all over the place. They brought in a lot of Texas kids and, um, and and kind of had a little bit of that crisis as well, too. And then they get him out, and they bring Chode in, and they try to build that identity. And now they're working on something. And so it's, it's tough to say. It's tough to say. I don't think it's as easy as people like, oh, if – you know, if what if you know, if this wouldn't have happened, if 2012 wouldn't have happened the way it happened, we'd we'd be right there with NDSU. I don't think it's like that easy to just say it, but it, it, fascinating decade. Do you guys have any other what ifs? What if we hired I mean, Jay Hill instead of Bob Stitt? Yeah, I mean, there's that. <laughs> Although I I think that if we had Jay Hill instead of Bob Stitt, I don't know that Jay Hill's still here because. Uh. You have to have an offense here. It wouldn't have worked. What he's doing there, he wouldn't have had the, the <laughs> built four up. games. Yeah, it yeah. would not oh, have yeah, worked. Cool, here. Jay, you're doing fine. Um, but also, it's like we see it time and time again. I mean, I hate to bring this up, Brent, but we saw this with Wisconsin in yeah. the Rose Bowl. Yeah, it's like this whole idea that you can grind out a defense defensive game against an offense that's got all kinds of weapons and think you're going to win by one score. It just doesn't work in college football anymore. Look at the top four teams in the college football playoff of all these last years. None of them, none of them are grind out teams. Not even Alabama anymore. Is yeah, it? I mean, and they they didn't even get the playoffs this year. But I mean, they they run the ball a lot, but they have skill all over the field. And some people are going to come to us and say, "Well, NDSU is a grind out team and has good defense." And it's like, but they also have an offense that could score if they needed to. Yes, it's like absolutely. they have the luxury of choosing to do whatever the hell they want. Yes. Um, so I just I don't know if Jay Hill. I don't know. That would have been an interesting one. Um, you know, another obvious one is what if Gresh doesn't leave? There's a what if. That's mm. fascinating. You know, and God, that's a whole different topic. Um, I mean, especially because where, where does I mean, we get Dalton Sneed instead? Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's a whole different topic. Mm. I mean, most people are going to say. No, that's the same topic, Mike. Well, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. There's a whole different conversation that I don't want to have. Um, most people are going to say, you know. He quit, whatever. We got Dalton, awesome. I think it's a lot more complex than that. And if you guys ever want to have that conversation, let me know and we can have a beer. We'll have to wait until February. February. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. All right. I can't think of too many other what ifs. I mean, I guess the other sign was what if they, what if in 2012 either Delaney was a one year. Or was not promoted, and they and a and a true outside hire was made. You mean if um, alumni pressure led by Brent Wahlberg what? hadn't gotten Delaney a contract for three years? If if that what if? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Much I emailed support for him. I will admit I was in. He was a calming presence. I think uh, I doubt Roy Singstrom. That thought. was a tumultuous time. It was. Uh, at the university in Missoula. And I think that Delaney brought, he was a ballast. He was a stabilizing, stabilizing presence in the program. I mean, much like Sheila Stearns, I think. That's a pretty good comparison. That's, yeah, it is. Yeah, is yeah. owed a debt of gratitude for the the year she served as UM's Step president. Step in and solve the shit for a year. And, Mick yeah. Delaney, even though he was probably... Um, not qualified to be a Grizzly head coach at the yeah. level that some of the other guys have been. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, the Grizz Nation owes him a debt of gratitude for the service, uh, for the job he did. 
And he's a good guy, and he's still a big Grizz fan. We ran into him yeah. driving home. <laughs> driving home from Weaver. Yeah, yeah, you can't write <laughs> UM's history uh, without his presence and his family's presence in this program. So um, that's that, that's an interesting what if. But, but so, I'm so actually like, really was, thankful that oh, Mick Delaney was here at the time he was here. Because what if he didn't? Because you know the <laughs> other thing is like you know we're FCS and so nobody takes time to do this. If we were FBS and this whole scandal happened, there'd be some awesome thirty for thirties about it because. My understanding is how that all went down is Royce had no plan. He, no. he fired Flugrad and O'Day, and that that was it. What I, and what he I, went to the coach's room and was basically mm-hmm. like, You guys pick who, pick who, who you want to have the do head it. coach. And like Bob Beers was still there, and he was like, You've got to be freaking kidding me. Like, you made this mess. And Delaney had just retired. So I was like, Thank freaking God that Delaney came back and would do it. Thank, yeah, thank God he cares enough about the program <laughs> yep, yep. to have to have done that and taken on all that pressure. Another cool what if is like what if Jim O'Day doesn't get fired? Yeah. Like the athletic director history, that has fingers in all mm-hmm. Chris athletics. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool to to think about the domino effect of that. Yeah. And and I I, I don't think, you know, Kent Haslam's doing a, a a real good job. I mean, you can look at the especially the athletic success and growth that we've had. The Champion Center got the built. Champion there. Center. I mean, you can't like softball the, field, new so, soccer field, the Sprunk the Academic Center, Academic yeah. Center, this um, uh, uh, Travis DeCure. I mean, the the success basketball teams had. Kent has a long list of very, and isn't he? He's he was appointed to some. Well, he's chair of the playoff committee. Chair, or he's not player. He's no, on he was the on playoff, playoff committee, committee, but he got chair, he was like appointed chair of something else as well too. I thought some sort of, but anyways, so, and Kent was in the athletic department then too. So, um, yeah, yeah, that, some some fascinating what ifs. Got any more, Mike? Um, no, I just I really love the little audience we've built because um, uh, messaging with one of our followers who is following a potential transfer Instagram <laughs> and trying to figure out what restaurant in Missoula he is eating at right now, and it's Ooh. awesome. Is all I'm gonna say. <laughs> this is just awesome. Can you show us some photos here? Um, I'll tell you. Does it start with a D? No, I mean that's I can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> Probably it's, starts with a It's D. in the messages to the Grizz fan. <laughs> oh, okay. Pull, pull, yeah. <laughs> All, right. All right. Interesting stuff. Um, other what ifs. I mean, those are the those are obviously the big oh. ones. Okay. But I really think like of all the what ifs and you know how coming back and all that and if stick it's another year, yada yada yada. Um uh, Yeah. Delaney, you're right, Luke. Delaney <laughs> stepping in, because holy cow, like what if he hadn't? Like Scott Gregg probably would have ended up being it. Well, people were saying like, "Go get Mike Van Deest out of," <laughs> which would have been an interesting one too, I yeah. guess. But the options were pretty thin because fired a coach in March, April, April first. It was in the middle it was of April spring 1st. ball. I thought it was I, like it was April first. They, they, I thought it was an April Fool joke. They fired him, and then they went to spring break. And they came back, and Delaney's running spring ball. And it's just like, holy cow. <laughs> By the way. <laughs> yeah, how bizarre. Um, anyway, um, speaking of spring ball, winter conditioning. Yeah. Starts Monday, right? Yep. School starts Monday, winter conditioning starts Monday. <laughs> um, one thing that um, people kind of missed, somewhere I heard this story, and I can't remember if it was 
how can an answer in a post game or um, another thing? But somebody somebody asked about um, it was after the cat game, and it was like, did you guys you know address this in practice? And Hauk said something like, "Oh no, we'll address this in January." <laughs> I've heard the so the good win- luck, guys. The winter condo is pretty brutal. Good luck is all I'm going to say. I've, it's, it's you know, oh. <laughs> see if QB Club gets an invite to that. Man, five a.m. Watch guys throw up in trash cans. <laughs> I'd probably go once just to see what it's all about. Oh, I don't I mean, know. You and I are the weird guys sitting on the sidelines of practice. That's Although true. I will say, since Hauk got hired, there's all of a sudden all kinds of people who come to practice. Because you can go to practice. Yeah. <laughs> it used to just be Britt and I occasionally would show up. You guys are like um, you guys are like the groundskeepers in Major League. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, exactly. And I'm sure the players are like, who the fuck are these guys? <laughs> I don't have nothing better to do. <laughs> I, we didn't get to many this year. Um, and then spring ball. I mean, it'll be here before we know it. You yeah. know, they usually sandwich it around spring break, which means it'll start in mid-March and end mm-hmm. in mid-April. Yep, yep. Scrimmage is in Hamilton. Is it in Hamilton? I thought I think it was in Missoula year. I don't I think, think so. It was in last I thought year. I heard it was in Hamilton. Well, well, hopefully I'm not spreading misinformation. Hamilton's Fake got news a nice stadium. Yeah. Alternative facts, dude. Alternative facts. I apologize. <clears throat> uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to the spring ball. I think we got a lot of... A lot of competitive spots, a lot of, a lot of things where I think these guys are going to be hungry to get back out there and, and build. And we got a lot of young guys that are, are going to have opportunities. We've got some legitimate um, position battles. I mean, we're going to have a legitimate QB battle, which we, we haven't had since, uh, um, you know, uh, <laughs> Bob Stitt was here with Gresh and Reese yeah. Phillips. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, it's wide open. Yeah. Which, which it, it hasn't been since, you know, Gresh and Reese Phillips. I'm super excited to see what they do with Garrett Graves. Me too. You know, because he was playing wide receiver, but it's like, is that going to be his position? Like, I doubt it. Corey, Akem, yeah. Roberts, White, Sulcer. Like, what are they going to do with Garrett Graves? So I tweeted this, but they lost the game yesterday. I think Taysom Hill <laughs> with the New Orleans Saints is your blueprint to what you do with Garrett Graves. That's because Taysom Hill should have thrown a touchdown. I mean, he, it was underthrown, but threw a deep pass, caught a touchdown, had a lead block to get a touchdown in, covered kicks, block kickoffs. Uh, I, yeah, I was on punts. I, it, and it, you see, like, Garrett Graves played receiver in the Weaver game. Garrett Graves' last spring ball was a running back because we didn't have any, we were, we were mm-hmm. down a few backs. Um, I think he's a guy that. Just get him on the damn field. I and mean, if they can I, use him like Taysom Hill for the next two years, awesome. Yeah. And I get the other argument. Put him at safety. Build him up. 2021. Away you go. And I, I'd i be fine with that too. But it's like when you, again, you talk about the offense being able to do stuff and being able to have that game changer. And I think Garrett could be that guy. I mean, number five is in the backfield. He's going to run the ball. He's going to go catch the ball. Is, are they going to? Pitch it to him. He's gonna throw a pass, or is he gonna? Or is he gonna? Because we know he can do all this. Or is he gonna go take out a linebacker? You know, like chop a linebacker down and open up a lane for for night. I mean, it's like he could do it all. Is he gonna play safety? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? He's, he's the 
He's the best linebacker I've seen since Joe Montana. <laughs> <Don't know. laughs> Joe Montana was a quarterback. You see, Luke Alfred, everybody. Uh, He's here all week. Mina Kimes uh, tweeted this thing uh, with the with the dog poking his head out of the the cop car. Did oh, you was see that this? what she tweeted? Amongst other things, okay. yeah. Okay, triggered Android user is over here. Um, <laughs> I'm fairly certain that this pod is majority Android. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was it was kind of funny because it was it was a video of a police dog wearing different hats opening the door, and it was like every play with with Taysom Hill. And it was like door opens and dogs wearing a different hat. Oh yeah, kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was good. Uh, that was good. One of her better tweets. Yeah. I mean, I really like Mina Kimes, except she is a Seahawks fan. Yeah, so. yeah, that's fair. Yeah, not everyone's perfect. Not everyone's perfect. Different conversation. <laughs> um, I am excited. Like, I know I joked about it, but I'm actually legitimately excited to see what happens at QB because it's like we've kind of got a we've got so many weapons that you know we could have a good offense, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've got Cam. Got this Robbie Patterson, the fourth, not the third. The I'm fourth. just excited for the students to just hold up the, the four. The oh, four. that's awesome. See, but I'm pulling for Chris Brown. I want what number? I what want numbers Robbie freshman number? Chris Brown to win this job number and have 12. it for four years. He's my guy. Probably not likely, but he's my guy. <laughs> I would love to have a, another like Montana born, like Montana high school quarterback. That'd be fun. Yeah, I think it'd be fun. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. Anything else spring ball wise? Just looking forward to it. It's always, I think a lot of people, because for, for those of us, especially here in Missoula, you're able to get a little bit more football in your life before summer hits. Um, scrimmage, I, it will be, this will be Bobby's third spring camp. So these guys will be a little bit more locked in. And we, we saw a pretty dramatic change in how he ran the first spring camp to the second spring camp. So see how these things come along. And I, I'm excited for it. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, I mean, two years in, it's going to be one of those things where the upperclassmen can run it. Yeah. I mean, not, you know, run it, but it's like he expects there to be leaders. And it's like these guys have been on the team for a long time and they can, you know, they know they know what's expected of this the coaching staff. Are not- I mean, it, it sounds like it, as of right now, again, that we're keeping all our coaches again, which yeah. is, got to be unheard of but um you know it, it's going to be interesting to watch for sure okay uh, okay what's up yeah you guys want to move on to our we got all our user segment get the user questions out there get these questions out let's do it listener questions you want to start where, where you want mike you want you want your grizz or you want twitter uh, which one do you have up? Because I thought I had the Twitter questions up, and I don't. I've got Egros right in front of me. We got some good ones. <clears throat> okay, uh, let's see. Let's see. Some of these are more statements. Okay, so we'll, we'll <laughs> get the manifestos out early, huh? Now, uh, uh, MT Grizz fan KB asks. Uh, so. You, Provides a qualifier in front. I think it's clear our line play on both sides of the ball is where we could get a large improvement and growth in the years ahead. Mm-hmm. On offense, we still had inconsistency with the O-line and the D-line because we did not have depth through the pure ability to get to the backfield without blitz schemes. Someone did point out to MT Grizz fan that our defensive design is meant to be a blitzing design. But, I but think, it's still a, but it's a good point. point. Yeah. Um, how do you see... 
D-line and O-line play improving in the next year? And do you believe we can accomplish growth with the current players? Well, I think about defensive tackle. We're losing 37, Jesse Sims. Yep. We do have Eli Alford and Alex Gubner that seem to at least fit the spot if we're going to go three up front. If we went four up front, we're going to have to find another guy. I think it's going to be three up front. I don't think they're going to change the scheme. I was going to say, I, yeah. they, they, I, with the linebackers we've got too, I mean, yeah. So what we're going to see then is – you know, more experience with Alfred and Gubner because they played a lot this year. Yep. At the DN positions. You got Deming. We had Deming? Yeah. McGoran. 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 Four years of McGoran, who I think is going to be the best defensive end to ever play here when it's all said and done. Ooh, I like that. Ooh. Ooh, that's strong. Um, We had a lot of youth there this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A A youth that overperformed. So two things can happen. One... Their ceiling is higher than we all expected, and they should get better. Or two, they just and they reach their potential early. Oof, and think about it: we lot we lose Ryder Rice and Vika, I guess. And Vika's kind of Vika linebacker, team special teams, player. you know, whatever. Yeah. Yep. But we lose Ryder Rice, who we we only had for a year. And I think Mike said it perfectly: like either they reach their potential already, or they're going to get better. So I think we should expect. D-line gets better at the edges, and between Alfred and Gubner in the middle, you know, we shouldn't see much change. And we had Babros and both Mamula kind of flash a little bit. Yep. Uh, Mamula a little smaller than Babros. And then we had that Mason Vineyard kid who couldn't play this year mm-hmm. on academic And then there's a couple other guys that, that are still back. Like Brown who got himself in some trouble and then didn't really see the field. I yeah. Mean, and that's a big kid. Yeah. He was 6'4", 230-something. Yeah. Lorenzo Brown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited. I think the D-line is going to take a step forward. I yeah. mean, it's like... I mean, first of all, because I, I legitimately think McGoran's going to be one of our starters right away. I mean, uh, Barry Sachs has said he's he's got like the best get off the ball of any player he's ever coached. Ever coached, yeah. Which is... I mean, he's <laughs> been around college football for a long time. And then... Offensive line, we're losing Cy Sermon and Angel Villanueva. Mm-hmm. And it, Angel may be on the all-decade too deep, perhaps, depending on how you rank it. Yeah, and I, I mean, I really like Angel, but I think that's more a factor of we just... It wasn't the greatest decade for alignment in, in this university's history. I mean... And Cy Sermon, who played 25 positions and... <laughs> Uh, turned out to be a very solid, serviceable center, center. for us. Yeah. And who might be getting an NFL yeah. look. He got a like, draft diamond profile, yeah. Draft diamond profile after one year. I mean, he has a deep uh, football pedigree. Yeah. But still, that's impressive. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would hope that we could replace two dudes a year. Like, if you, if you are a fan of a program that can't, replace two offensive linemen a year your your program's in trouble you know and here's the thing and and i had this conversation with with colter nuanas you know skyline uh, talking about how you know the grizz line is actually older than people realize but the context of it was like you know they should be better than they are but most of the older guys weren't linemen you know it's like they're yeah. yeah they weren't supposed to be guys that are here now starting yeah but it's like they recruit. They had three linemen last last class, and none. Of, they they all get a red shirt. They all get the they all get the off season. 
I think those guys are going to press these guys. I bet we see a transfer there. But I, I mean, I, I think the O line continues to get better. Now there are some guys that it's like I don't know that their ceiling's much higher. So that'll be interesting. It's like if they can gain well, consistency. You know, we're returning our tackles. Yeah, we're returning Mallory. Yep. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Mallory. We're going to get Sean Anderson, right? Who's going to get some more time? We'll have Pillins, who played a bunch. And yeah, Pillins. Ganong, who played a bunch on the interior. Yeah. Yep. And then three three redshirt freshmen, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I, like, really am resistant to the notion that, a, that one of these students or one of these young men have capped out their development at the age of 22, 23. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. These these guys are still lifting hard. They're still growing. Your strength isn't maxed out well into your thirties. Like you know, like they're gonna get stronger. They're gonna get better at the craft. They're gonna get better at recognizing blitz packages, and um, they're gonna become more disciplined. I think all of these players are expected to see a development boost. The question is, is like, do we have some dudes in the wings that can step up and replace Sermon and Villanueva? I mean, I think we do. I think we do on the interior. Yeah. And I will say, you know, I actually think of the guys who started games last year. We still the the most the biggest wild card in my mind is still Kites. Just because you know, we've talked about this a couple times over the season, but you know, he he hasn't been playing football nearly as long as anybody else. So it's like every rep, every practice, every offseason, his capacity to learn is there. And I just think this is an interesting offseason for him because either we're going to find out that he is a very serviceable role player who's you know just going to contribute well to the team for two more years, or he's going to take a step. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I think he's going to take a step. You know, I, 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 I'll be curious to see what happens. Yeah, I think he's still in this sort of exponential growth period of his learning curve. Like, I just can't imagine. Like, I still think I have started more football games than he has started. <laughs> you, I, you know what I mean? Like, close. Yeah. Right. Like, and obviously we're talking about diff- we're, we're different. We're comparing apples yeah. and yeah. oranges for sure. But he is still a, a newbie, essentially. And. <clears throat> This O line next year is gonna have four seniors on it potentially. That's a good point. Cook, Pillins, Mallory, Beaver, seniors, and Mike always gives me hard time about upperclassmen and 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 experience and and whatnot. But and then you've got to figure out that that guard spot, and if it's got Ganown, you're gonna have four seniors and a sophomore. I just don't believe it's gonna be four seniors. I just think that that. I, I don't. We'll see. We'll see. Okay, that was uh, that was one question. <laughs> uh, let's see. So, Everett asked who James is taking in the NFL playoffs. We got that earlier. Niners. Let's go. Did you guys make a bet on it? No, I'm just happy the Raiders didn't make the playoffs. What happens to try if, and cement this. What happens if the Niners play the Ravens? Who's James going to cheer for? He's going to cheer for the Niners, but it's. I mean, because we watched the Niners Ravens okay. Ravens game, but it's. His ability as a, yeah. as a sports fan to admire good athletes who aren't on his teams, it just boggles my mind. Oh, man. That's bogus. All right. I don't know. I don't, you know, he's he's young. I don't know. He really likes Lamar Jackson. But I'm really excited for the, op- 
the opportunity for the Niners to go deep, maybe even win it this year, because it would be tough for him not to be a Niners fan if he witnesses. I'm banking on it. Uh, I mean, I got him a Garoppolo jersey for Christmas. Like, I think we need this playoff run. When we became 49ers fans, it was like Joe Montana, Steve Young. Like, you get on the bandwagon at this time. It's important. Yeah. Too bad the Packers are going to... Ruin your guys' hopes, huh? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I hope the Packers beat the Seahawks. Me I will just tell you, the too. Saints losing gave gave me no uh, uh, bad feelings. That as a Niners fan, that was a that was a good yeah. that was a good thing. <laughs> that was a good day. The Packers probably feel that way too. Yeah, I didn't want to play the Saints. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so Everett um, asked what our favorite New Year's Eve activities are. With kids, it's, it's, it's going to bed early. James actually wanted to stay up till midnight, so he we kept our did. kids up this time. We've other times we've done like 10 p.m. It's like let's watch the East Coast broadcast. Yeah, Stacy and I oh. watched the East Coast and went to bed. And yeah. Is this the first time you guys stayed up with your kids this week? Mm, yeah, I think all three of our kids made it. the 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 two older ones have the past few years, but the youngest. It's the first time in a long time we haven't gone to a friend's house and spent quite a bit of time with all kinds of kids and all kinds of adults, and it was kind of nice. We had a nice dinner and. I enjoyed it. I went to this crazy, this weird party. Um, my yep. my my girlfriend came back, and randomly she went to this uh, accelerated nursing program in essentially Haver, Nebraska. If you, can, <laughs> if you can imagine what this place is, it's part of the the University of Nebraska Medical Center like series of you know like circuit of nursing schools, and. Uh, Randomly, one of her classmates has a boyfriend who grew up in Butte, lives in Missoula right now. No kidding. Just completely random. So uh, her classmate was back in Missoula for New Year's Eve, and then her boyfriend threw this party. And my girlfriend's like, Let, let's go to this party. We go to it. It has never felt more like a college house party in my life. In fact, <laughs> I'm kind of scanning the room a little bit. Are my being like, here? Yeah, like, do I recognize any faces? <laughs> um, and it's with, uh, I mean, they're, they're sort of hippie-ish students. Like, they're like the cool humanities students that I was never cool enough to hang out with when I was an undergrad, you know, like. They're way more woke than I ever was. They've got like the Tibetan flags on their like porch. And I was like, yeah, I was never invited to these parties. Um, they just didn't know you well enough. They didn't know me yeah. well enough. There's a lot of people who... you definitely could speak that language. Well, thank you, Mike. Thank you. Um, these were all students out of college, but very recently in college. And like some... Uh, Peace Corps type students and like they know other like foreign nationals or whatever. So the night ends with this dance party in the living room to like Latin American hits volume one on Spotify. (laughs) And there's like these dudes from Central America there who like, you know, know all of these like Latin American (laughs) hip hop songs, like party songs and I'm trying to make jokes like I think these guys studied abroad and like no one's laughing it's like they're too they're too woke to giggle about it oh, <laughs> like, oh that's unfortunate it was it was a strange uh New Year's Eve for me like I've had a New Year's Eve like that ever but it was fun there you go all right it's what happens when you date a younger woman didn't you also end up at stocks one night this break uh that was after that was after our playoff win okay Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. I want. I went out and well, celebrated. So ended up at stocks. 
like the old times, my yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was contemplated just as, sending out a certain tra- search and rescue. But it was certainly strange as ever. <laughs> Man, I did run into students there. My Facebook memories popped up a, a stocks memory that we had <laughs> on a New Year's Eve. It's got to be. 13, 14 years ago at this point. And it was like me, you, and our buddy Dylan, and someone else. And I was, oh my God. Anyway, just random. I can't talk anything more about that night on air because we want to keep all our listeners. <laughs> Brent was DJing. <laughs> we we re- just didn't I, know it yet. I wish I could rewind to see if Brent DJed any of our party nights. No, socks. no, I never DJed it. Stocks. Oh, okay. Farookis. Farookis. For Well, that could have happened then. But this was like, well, yeah. <clears throat> 2000, 2001. Yeah. I wasn't there that much. Yeah, I, but, I yeah. That really did me. the bar scene in high school. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe a little bit before your time. <coughs> Everett, we didn't really talk a lot of basketball, but Everett asks if uh, Saeed Pridget belongs on Grizz Basketball's Mount Rushmore. No. No. Nope. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's a good player. I think he's a Pac-12 talent. Interesting. Um, I think that he could he could get minutes on Pac-12 teams. I agree with that. I don't know if he's on the Mount Rushmore, though. But I mean, here's what I would say. It's like the last two seasons, probably one of the best two-year runs in the history of this program, and he was, at best, the third best player on those teams. So I think it's tough to say that that well, guy's on Mount Rushmore. Well, I think in, in this year, it seems like... He's just so much better than everybody else. He's that, so much better. He's it seems like he's trying to play some point forward, which isn't working as well as like <laughs> you think. Was, I think yeah. he's better if he doesn't have to handle the ball a bunch. If he Pridget is an awesome talent, and he would be so much better if we had another consistent offensive guy. And you know, this past week we finally we're three and one. They lost to Northern Colorado, and Manuel scored thirty. So if he could continually do that and Pridget doesn't get shut down, that's actually a good sign. Pridget had foul trouble in that game too, right? Pridget had foul trouble. But Pridget is prone to trying to do too much because nobody else can freaking score for periods of time on this team. But they're also so young that it's fun to watch them. And I will say, I was coming into this, I was thinking, man, there are going to be some games that are just brutal. But so far, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. The the Grizz basketball team this year lost a couple guys um, that they I don't think necessarily were expecting to lose, and they didn't get some transfers that they were hoping to get. So they're playing younger than they want to play. And one of them didn't get approved to play. So they've got two guys sitting on the bench that next year's Grizz team with the experience that these youngers are going to get is going to be a fun. It's going to be a yeah. nasty team next year. Yeah. Um. Uh, and unfortunately, like you know, this this. Saeed Pritchett, who's a very talented player, maybe the best in the big sky. We're kind of losing a little bit this year, I think, with him. But I didn't watch all of the Northern Colorado game because it was Hannah's birthday. So, you know, we had family stuff. Watched part of the second half, and it it seemed like when, when they needed it, Northern Colorado got hot with the threes, and that was kind of the difference. But then, like... Northern Colorado shot like 20 more free throws than Montana did. It's like I'm always, I always question those types of disparities. But yeah, I'm not yeah. saying, I'm just asking the questions. <laughs> yeah. I, I think one of the things too with Saeed, it's like obviously you want a senior to go out. You want a guy in his senior season to go out on top. Tough to say if that's going to happen because there's some very talented teams in the big sky. But at least for Saeed, 
he was on these last two years teams as well and a major contributor. So he got to go to the tournament twice, Big Sky champion twice. And they, they absolutely are a team, especially if some of these young guys really get things going as the season gets in and get into the tournament uh, or into the Big Sky tournament. They could be a dangerous team, especially if Manuel keeps doing what he's doing and Samuelson kind of keeps finding his stride. So it's it. You hope for the best for him, but I mean, yeah, I I really like Saeed. He's a guy that is intense at all times. <laughs> I don't doubt that. I played some. I played pickup basketball at the rec at times, and we I was in a game once with him and. Uh, some regular dude, you know, like some classy all star, hit a three in his face, and said something to Saeed. <laughs> what a moron! I mean, those are the guys in the rec center that you're like, oh, are you kidding? I know, and I, I swear to God, like Saeed just decided he just was like, I'm done with you, and he started ding everyone up full court. And thunder fucking dunks, <laughs> <laughs> and like there was, it was like. Never more apparent the distance between Rec Center All Stars and Big Sky Conference All Stars. I was like, "What did you do, guy?" He was just having fun. He was just hitting fadeaway jumpers. And you know, like, all this, all the guys' buddies are like, "God damn it! Like, what are you, Travis? Why did you do that? You know, <laughs> what did like, you do, man? Yeah, we were all enjoying playing with the Grizz player. <laughs> now we can't get the ball across half court." <laughs> The game's over. We're shooting free throws on the loser court. <laughs> but I really respected that about Saeed. He's mm-hmm. like, all right, fine, dude. Here we go. Here we go. Um, so uh, one, of the, one of the guys I work with um, sat in a different part of the arena. He sat in the, underneath the basket across from the student section. So I guess the south side of the Adams mm-hmm. Center. Mm-hmm. And um, he said Pridget's dad was there. And that Pridget's dad was really intense. And that Pridget and him just had kind of conversations. Like, like dad would be coaching him from the sidelines, basically. And, you know, yelling when he gets fouled and stuff like that. And Pridget's like, Pops, I got it. <laughs> it's like, it's awesome. Um, on that note, I don't know if I told you guys this, but so my seats at the Grizz basketball games are the third row behind the visitor's bench. So they're right behind the two rows of the visitor's tickets. So it's usually players' parents. And sometimes it's obnoxious. And there was a little punk NAU kid who was mouthy, but I didn't say anything. Somebody should have. But uh, that's not where I'm going with the story. Luke's all concerned. I wish you could see his I'm, face right now. I'm like, you didn't say shit to this guy. Did you? <laughs> no, I absolutely okay. did. But it was like, you know, and it's like, James. I was probably oh, this kid growing up, but yeah. it's like whenever I would like comment to the ref on a bat you know and it, all the fans would be he'd like hear it and then he'd like say as loud as he could that wasn't a foul and it's like dude i mean like i'm a rational adult but man you don't know who's in mind you like i'm surprised his mom wasn't like stop it like, <laughs> <laughs> and then they lost but sac state only brought two fans and I assume they were both parents. But so there was one dad right in front of us yeah. of, of one of the Sac State starters. And so you know, he was cheering loud. And so during one of the timeouts, I kind of introduced myself and said, hey, what's your connection? He's like, oh, my son's number so-and-so. And it was kind of fun to talk to him because it's like, you know, good for you following your son around. There's nobody else here. Well, James, once I made the introduction... James introduced himself and then climbed down and sat next to him and told him all about the Grizzly season. And then told him about 
the Sac State football team beating the Grizzlies this year. <laughs> and the guy turns around to me and was like, this kid's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Don't I know it? It was, it was a lot of fun. Oh my fun, fun fact. When I walked in tonight, I purposely spilled a bag of Skittles on the ground, and James said, 42. No. My <laughs> <God>. <laughs> oh, that'd be fantastic. Oh, my God. Uh, anything else? Questions? Yeah, we got one from CDA. Of course we do. Okay. Wouldn't be a Grizz fan uh, pod listener question without it. I'm so excited to hear this. <laughs> this time we have three options. A, B, C. You have to pick one. Okay. Option one. Grizz missed the playoffs for the next three years, and Bobby gets fired. That's not a very good option. I don't know, yeah. Option two, the Grizz win the national title in 2020 and miss the playoffs the next two years, but hashtag Bladen 2020 becomes a reality. <laughs> if not a necessity. <laughs> I just love Bladen. Or number three, the Grizz win the next three national championships in a row and look great going into 2023, but you have to do three months in prison in 2020 for a very embarrassing crime. Nobody will remember you were in prison after your release and your record will be expunged. You, however, will remember everything about prison life. (sighs) (laughs) I've always thought I could serve a little time in prison. Okay. Because I, I am at, like, here's what I imagine. It's a lot of working out and a lot of reading books. So I like both of we're those. We're going things. somewhere in the Shawshank Redemption. For Luke. He's going to run the library. <laughs> Just for four months. Write a letter a week. <laughs> what do you, I, I kind of think C. I kind of think C too, because if nobody remembers but me, that means that. Well, I guess my kids and family don't remember. I mean, it's kind of an interesting question. But... Dad was just on vacation for four months. Yeah, yeah. weird. You know, he works a lot. He just didn't come home. Three national titles in a row. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, think? That. I don't think I really like prison material. <laughs> but, I mean, there's I plenty of... Three no, I think you are now. prison material, actually. Yeah. I got nothing there. Hey, three national titles. Yep. I guess C. <laughs> CDA, you might have got us finally. Oh, man. After after we destroyed him on his, his, his loopholes with the other one. Okay. You got Twitter up? That's it. Yeah. Uh, Max Harrison, um, any word on players versus coaches leaving since the season ended? Haven't seen any news since Owens went in the transfer portal. Um, I haven't heard of anybody else going to the transfer portal nope. either. Obviously, the walk-on um, from Hawaii we mentioned, he's ended up at Central Washington. Um uh, name I'm blanking on right now, um, yeah, but he, you know, he it was a he, true freshman. Marcus He, He, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sure we'll see some others, and I haven't heard of any coaches leaving. I mean, I don't think any are. I mean, I'm, there's still might come up. there's still a few dominoes to fall, so who knows? San but, Diego State, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. interesting. Uh, and we'll see. Yeah. Um, Dede Martin uh, wanted us to talk favorite recruit signed early, and we talked about that, and then. Um, top three players you're looking forward to seeing in spring ball. So uh, Brown is one of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, in general, the uh, O-line, I just want to see how it works out. Yeah. Um, 
I'm really excited to see what they do with Garrett Graves. Yeah, uh, Garrett Graves. That's I, definitely one. I'm interested to see who that that next linebacker is that pops up. You know, so they'll be and. Um, is it going to be Wellnell? Is it going to be Matthews? Is it going to be Flink? Is it going to be? I mean, Hill got. I mean, he's a freshman. I, mm-hmm. Well, he'll be a sophomore, I guess now. But so, um, who that next linebacker is too? That'd be an interesting one. Um, and if these younger corners are ready to go, yeah, Corbin Walker, um, the kid from Billings, who I always forget his name. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's some interesting. Was the kid from Billings leaving? Not the corner. No, 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 no. Sorry. Owens yep. was the receiver. Owens. For the yep. Sorry. Yep. Um, I am also. I'm. I'm interested to see what shakes out with some of the guys who maybe were contributors but aren't as much anymore. Mm. You know, Eastwood's one. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, he's probably going to be fourth on the running back depth chart in the spring. Yeah. And then, you know, when those we've got two fast running back commits. I mean, it, mm-hmm. so it's like, does mm-hmm. he become a fullback? Does he become a linebacker. linebacker, yeah, yeah, that'll be interesting. You know, to see. is he still here? So that's an interesting one. Um, I'm also very interested to see um, Sammy Akem in spring ball and see how he's recovering. If they have him go out in spring, or if they kind of let him continue to rehab, which seems point. like, yeah, I'd be all for that. I mean, we know what Sammy Akem is, um, and I think you see we see this from time to time in spring ball too, where guys have off season surgery. And they're they do they do non contact in the spring, and then it allows younger guys to get to play as the first team guys. I tell you, I would have figured out if I was a football player, I would have figured out a surgery to have uh, right after New Year's every year. <laughs> you know, avoid me some winter conditioning. Yeah, yeah. twinge in my lower back. Oh man. Oh, um. McGoran. I'm excited to see McGoran. Yeah. I mean, I could go on and on, but yeah, those are my yeah, three. Yeah. I really am excited to see how Hill steps up, even if he's not, even if he's legitimately the QB3, just because he's been somebody that surprised me last year, and I'm curious if he takes the next step. Yeah. So, gotcha. Um, our our, our uh, Tubbs of the Club buddy, Brian Morso, um, wants to know how we're feeling about the men's basketball team and the highlights and the concerns. Mm. I mean, Kind of talked about it. My yeah. concerns are they don't score enough points. I mean, we, we don't have an offense outside yeah. of Pridget that's consistent. Um, Timmy Falls and Vasquez need to start taking and hitting more threes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Timmy took Timmy, way more threes last year. It's like he's not – he's afraid to shoot them this year. Timmy's been on a recent slump mm-hmm. shooting under 35% I saw this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, he'll regress to the mean. He'll – He'll start hitting shots, I think. But I mean, three and one with wins over NAU and Southern Utah and Sac State, who actually Southern Utah and Sac State had good preseasons. So I'll take where we're at. Yeah, yeah, same here. Um, Matt Colby wants to know: Do we figure that Solcer will be a bigger part of the offense now that JLM is graduating? I'm not sure. I'm not sure that I do. Like, I think that Solcer is a guy who we need to find ways to get the ball. But the difference is. How can Rosie and Pease came in and our starting receivers who they were who they were, right? Yeah. You know, we had um, Keenan and we had these guys. Yeah. And it was kind of like, you know, I mean, yeah, you could make other things work, but we didn't have great running backs. And, you know, it was, we're going to do this. But now it's like we know what we've got in Teray who can do a lot of stuff that Jerry Lou McGee can do. So it's like you you can move him around. Um, Cam. 
Roberts. Roberts. You know, <clears throat> if we're going to have Graves playing the Taysom Hill role. Yeah. You know, White. I mean, I don't know. Flowers? I mean, are they going to Malik? Yeah. yeah. I just wonder, if I feel like if Flowers was going to get reps at receiver, he would have gotten them. Over like Graves yeah. and stuff. But I think you, I can <clears throat> think back to a, a comment that we had heard at some point about if you want to see the field sooner, you need to learn multiple positions, especially a wide receiver. So I wonder if maybe that's part of the challenge. Yeah, where it's like he's 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 good at one of them but not all of them. Yeah. I think and it, it's it, we don't know what goes on in the film study and in the coach's room and in the weight room like that, but I think <clears throat> as a – as a fan that sees the body of work of the last couple seasons, if I had to go with a trio of Toure, Akem, and Roberts, or Toure, Akem, and Sulcer, I think I'm going to opt to Roberts, especially with the way he was playing at the end of the seat when he had to come up and play and you put him in the slot. I think that's that's a much better natural he, position for him. With about 500 yards. Yeah, and he caught that goddamn ball on Weber. Yes, he did. That's still, <laughs> so, that's still um, So it's like, I think it's tough. I mean, it's, it's nice to have the options rather than what the hell are we going to do? But, um, Dan Hall wants to know, uh, whose idea was the incentive clauses in Travis to contract. And is this common? I think it's awesome and wonder if we should be doing more of this. So there was an article about Travis to contract, which basically talked a lot about how there's a basketball coaches have more control over their, their schedules. Yeah. Football coaches, get some say, but the athletic department really does it. Basketball coaches really get to pick a lot more of their stuff. And so uh, there's a threshold where the uh, the basketball program needs to cover a certain amount, but then the next 100,000 is basically incentives for Travis of, of off-season guarantee money. And I was talking about this year, and he, he I think he made almost 200 grand this year in those incentives. incentives. Wow. And I think, I don't know whose idea that was, although I'm sure it has to be Ken's uh, to a point, or maybe Travis's agent. I don't know. But remember a couple of years ago, Travis renegotiated his contract when he almost was offered the job at, was it Colorado State? Something like Something, that. Something, yeah. somewhere. Yeah. And, you know, a place like Montana, we don't, we don't have the... Um, means to really mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. offer a huge raise. But if they could say, look, if you go play a tough schedule and you can get us more money games, there's a big incentive for you and your assistants in that. Right, and right. that's what they did. I think it's a great idea. And I I know that Wayne Tinkle's, one of Wayne Tinkle's contracts had incentives built into it. I don't think like to the level Travis has. But I remember because when Wayne started to get things going, it was recognized that we're not going to win well, in that case, an Oregon State comes knocking. But when you kind of get these kind of mid-tier, uh, like a Colorado State or or one of these schools uh, that can that can most definitely pay him more, can can we figure something out to be more competitive? So I know that type of conversation was happening at the time, but I don't think <clears throat> to the level of the complexity and the pay rate the pay rate that Travis has worked in. Um, and, and good for him if it yep. keeps him here longer. Awesome, awesome, all for it. Um, Andrew Schmidt <laughs> says. No Lando X Falcon sex and Rise of Skywalker. Disappointed. Andrew was because Lando's, you know, former droid flame is is the the brains of the or the navigational brains of the Millennium Falcon, and so there was hints that they 
Oh, yes, we covered they this. they have a relationship. We so. covered this. Brain. Fortunately, though, in Rise of Skywalker, they did find a way in the end to make Lando seem a little creepy where he like hit on a girl that was like his granddaughter's age. So you got that going. Well, I, I, I would expect that from a guy that's apparently sleeping with a computer. <laughs> I don't know. Well, he didn't, maybe. That's... There's he, so many things. He didn't that, even like rub his hand that, on the ship and say like "Daddy's home." Or that happened. Like that. <laughs> I haven't seen the, I haven't seen this movie, Luke. <laughs> I've checked out of this whole franchise. I was gonna say you've checked out of this question. Let's. I just. On. I mean, yeah. Um, Not watching the Mandalorian. Good show. I I, I know it's good because all these people can't be wrong. Yeah. Um, they could. It's be. just. I just have felt like I've fallen so far behind the curve that I need to have a concentrated effort to like expand my universe first before I delve in. Fair. Okay. Um, Nick Tabor wants to know what's an appropriate amount of time to leave Christmas decorations in a tree up and what type of horrible psychological problems do those that take everything down the day after Christmas have? This is an excellent question. Uh, weekend, yeah. weekend after New Year's for taking stuff down. So like well, we are weekend. recording at my I, house right now. I can and see your Christmas trees. My Christmas up. lights outside are still up, <laughs> and the lights are still on the Christmas tree. Now, Stacy has taken everything else down and took all the ornaments off the Christmas tree. I find January very depressing. It's too dark. I want to start with what's wrong with people who take them down <laughs> the day after the day Christmas. After. Like, they... They feel like they don't deserve happiness, and they ha- and they have to like stop the fun immediately because they're punishing themselves psychologically for a secret that they have, <laughs> or you know, like something that they know they're they're not doing correctly. Oh what God. that is could be anything. anything. Um, I don't want to jump to any conclusions. I don't have a map in front of me. But uh, that person has some things to work through. Now, on the let the let the pendulum swing. If you let this linger, Mike, another week, another two weeks. I think Mike has a pretty good reputation for his Christmas lights staying up like through February. Oh, yeah, I'm, I will leave my Christmas lights up until one what day. Stacy goes out. What about and sneaks tree? out and unplugs the sensor, and then I notice that my lights didn't come on. What about this tree in your living room? Uh, the tree will probably come down next weekend. Well, what if the... I mean, I'm just imagining if I we come back here in February and this tree's still up. Brent, what do you think about? What are you like, Mike, your tree's still up, dude? Well, I would be a concerned weird. about that. Are you weird. trying to cover up for some sadness <laughs> that you might have? Uh, do we need to talk oh, about man. something else? I, told you, I tell people all the time. I like to leave the Christmas you lights need, up into January because I find leave, January depressing. See, I think you need to lo- leave the light on. To cover up some darkness that you're oh, feeling man. inside you. What that Luke. is, I don't know. Is it actual <laughs> darkness in the sky? Or is it maybe some... Internal darkness. Internal yeah. darkness. Yeah. Oh, man. They can only trouble. be solved with kilowatt hours. I don't know. Um, <laughs> usually, Nick, this is, this is a... I feel like you're learning a lot more about us than we are about each other. <laughs> now, Nick lives in my neighborhood. I can almost see his house from my front porch. Um, so, so he what, what's his situation? You know, I don't know that they put Christmas lights up. Ooh, they must have. There's no way Nick's asking this question if they did. Jewish. <laughs> He's not. <laughs> <laughs> 
man. I got, I'm not touching that. Um, usually I have more support in this neighborhood for long-term Christmas lights, but your colleague and neighbor didn't even put them up this year. So he didn't. I know. No Merry Christmas to JQ. Uh, yeah. So anyway, hmm. I, I've addressed it with him. I Yeah, you should sound out a letter. <laughs> Fire it out there on the old neighborhood listserv <laughs> that doesn't exist. Um, I realized that uh, in our last pod, I forgot to ask a user-submitted question from one uh, James P. Nugent, who is my oh, brother. Yeah. And his question was something along the lines of, what is the all-time record of road games that I attend for the Grizz? Oh, yeah. Well, you didn't know the number, but you just said it was bad. I want to say it's like two and seven. Ooh. I don't think it's that bad because I've, I've been to two Cat Grizz wins. They won at Idaho. I've never seen a win at Eastern, and I've been there a handful of times. I think I've been to three road Grizzly wins mm. and probably like five losses. I went to one of the Chattanooga years. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. I remember that. Richmond. Uh, you know, I went to the UW game, but that doesn't really count. Yeah, those playoff games. Because I went to the Oregon game in 05 and the UW game. Yeah, those ones Those ones are tough because that's like a known loss. Yeah, but I will tell you. I went to a Washington State game. If the Grizz can't win football games on the road when I'm there, that's really their problem, not mine. <laughs> so, I think my record's close to 500. I've seen two wins in Portland. I've seen two wins in Cheney. Well, uh, uh, Spokane, Joe Albee. Okay. I've seen two wins in Bozeman. Okay. I've seen two wins in Pocatello. Huh. All right. <sighs> I think that's it. No, no, I've seen a win in Sacramento. Oh. Yeah. You're all right. Yeah. So I've got I got nine wins under the belt, but I've also seen two losses against Weber. I've seen – oh, I've also seen a win in Idaho. Two wins in Idaho. So I got 11. So my, my numbers only start getting bad when I start going to games with you. Hey, I was going to say if you had come to this cat game with us, we would have won. So. <laughs> I doubt that. Uh, I've seen two losses in Weber. I've seen a loss – in Spokane, I've seen a loss in Portland. I haven't gone to any national title think, games. Guys, I think we need to hit the road this next year. Well, we definitely need to hit the road. I think we have an opportunity to, to swing oh, our saw winning percentage. So I'm two and two. I, I saw a loss in Cheney, the red field. I went to that game, too. We yeah. we need to go to we need to go to Springfield, Missouri. <laughs> we're going to Cheney, and we're going to play laser tag. We're not going to the fucking casino, Mike. <laughs> going to moscow we're going to Greeley. we're going to flagstaff we're gonna get five road dubs next oh my year. God. wow it's time Ooh. build it up um anything else you guys want to cover grizzly <laughs> athletics <laughs> it's a good good thing to add on hey well hopefully you enjoyed this off-season pod we're not going to commit to what our schedule is except you'll hear from us again sooner and later because we've got some ideas so and we've got some whiskey to drink. Oh, my God. I yep. hate you guys. Brent, well, take another sniff. No. <laughs> take one more sniff. You're not. You're listen, if you didn't drink by now. He's, he's not drinking. You can sniff all you want. He's just not drinking. Oh, my God. It smells so good. <laughs> <laughs> just hit your lips. Just like, hit your lips. <laughs> Man. All right. If we know you, we'll see you sooner. If not, 
we'll catch you uh, whenever we do, but feel free to interact with us on Twitter. That's all I got. That's all you guys got. Yep. All right. Go Grizz. Fight on.